You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I've got Brooks Childress and Cam Barry with me here for a second day in a row. We're going to <laughs> We're going to have a fun show planned for you here today as we'll do a little bit of everything on this Friday. Uh, we'll have some recap for you of the NBA last night, NBA draft, and, and these trades from this past week. We're going to talk some Major League Baseball, uh, update you on the All-Star voting process as we start to get just a few weeks away from the MLB All-Star break, update you on the Atlanta Braves a little bit. Obviously, any college football news that may come up, although uh, it's been a little bit light here for the last few days. Uh, also, we'll have uh, Sports Calls Player of the Week coming up a little bit later, what to watch for over the week. Also, in the latter half of the show, going to replay an interview from earlier this week with Ryan Priest as we talked about the national race with him and the season so far with current NASCAR Cup Series driver Ryan Priest. We're going to replay that a little bit later towards the 5 o'clock hour today. So a little bit of everything here on this Friday edition of the show. Of course, your phone calls are welcome on the Auburn Bank phone line at 2, or excuse me, at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one 9 Tiger Nine again, Ryan, Cam, and Brooks with you here on this Friday, gentlemen. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, enjoyed the NBA draft last night. Um, still, it seems like a lot of question marks with what my Hawks are going to do, but I did like the Kobe Buffkin pick. Um, very quality player. Probably going to be the end up uh, end up being the Hawks backup point guard. Um, and it, yeah, he's he's pretty talented. Big six uh, four can defend. Really good point of attack defender. So. Uh, I'm okay with the pick. I like that. Um, obviously, we knew Victor was going to go number one. Brandon Miller ended up going number two after the odds kind of shifted a little bit towards Scoot um, earlier yesterday, and then it it, uh, it came it came out. Woj tweeted um, that that the entire organization was in on Brandon Miller the entire time. So not sure where Shams got that there was even a chance that Scoop might get drafted at number two. I think he just did that to shift the betting odds. Um, and then Scoot Anderson ended up going number three overall to um, the, the Trailblazers, kind of how he, how he predicted. And, um, you know, I think that just kind of further proves for, for Dame to kind of pack his bags and, um, you know, find somewhere else to play that he can really compete for a championship because this entire team's young now. Um, Braves 
playing real well, continuing. Uh, they're on a hot streak. They play the Reds tonight, um, who has the the longest win streak right now in the MLB. I think they're at 11 games, and the Braves, I think, might be the second have the second best win streak right now in the MLB with eight. Because they're playing, yeah, because they're the playing number one yep. team and the Reds, right. believe that or not, yep, in the series, yep. So the uh, the Reds um, haven't having their eleven game win streak. So uh, should be a good series. Should be a real fun series. Uh, I'm gonna watch that when I get home probably and just hang out. Um, but yeah, I'm doing great. Ready for a Friday. Ready for a relaxing weekend. Um, so can't wait. And then Brooks also on the show today. Brooks, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, it was a it was a fun NBA draft last night. Fun baseball game last night too between the uh, the the Tigers and the or the LSU Tigers, not the Detroit Tigers. The LSU Tigers and the Wake Forest Demon Deacons and uh, went to extras and uh, LSU punched their ticket into the College World Series. And so it's an all SEC affair between Florida and LSU. So that should be fun TV this weekend. Uh, Braves, as you guys mentioned, getting ready for a three game set up in Cincinnati to wrap up this road trip. Uh, the, the leaders in the NL East versus the leaders in the NL Central going at it. Already saw today where the the game tonight up at Grand American Ballpark sold out, so it's going to be a packed house for uh, in up there in Cincy, and so it's going to be a, a fun time. And I saw another uh, stat about this game that just came across the timeline uh, today or tonight. You've got Joey Votto, who is 39 years old, will face 20 year old AJ Smith Shaver, and the f- last time the Reds had a batter age 39 plus face a pitcher age 20 or younger was. July 9th, 1985, when a 44-year-old Pete Rose went 0 for 3 with a walk against 20-year-old Dwight Gooden. Oh. So it's a... Hall of Fame matchup. Yeah. Been a while. Well, should be, but Rose isn't there. But yeah, that's another thing. It, it, yeah. That, that's Hall of Fame caliber player. Clearly. Yeah. But it, it's it's something that hadn't happened in a, in a, in a while, for at least in, in, for the Reds. So the last time it happened, it was uh, two good ones. So we'll, we'll see what happens tonight. We'll see what uh, what the Braves have in action tonight. And can't wait to see what our callers have to say on the show today. Absolutely. And I do want to mention, because uh, it's something I, I totally could forget about, over the course of the show, want to mention that uh, College World Series game last night between LSU and Wake Forest, setting up uh, a guarantee, a uh, really big hot take here, guys. I'm going to guarantee you that an SEC team is going to win the national championship in baseball. Uh, that's because it literally has to happen that way. Right. LSU, Did you see what the SEC account tweeted? Uh, something about they the trophy a, They already. tweeted a picture yeah. of the uh, NCAA championship trophy. It was like, yeah, we'll take that. Yep. Uh, either way, it's going back to the SEC. Uh, for at least the third consecutive year. I don't remember who won it before the, the Mississippi schools. but uh, So LSU beats Wake Forest 2 nothing. I think it extended the streak that I saw was Wake Forest, or excuse me, a one seed, which of course was Wake Forest. The number one overall seed in the NCAA baseball tournament has not won the thing since 1999, yeah, I think. It's been a long so time. Nearly a, a quarter century now. Uh, is this three in a row for the SEC? It, it, it is. It would be four in a row because Vanderbilt won it in 2019. <laughs> okay. The last time a non happen and, uh, I'm say yeah. the last time a non SEC team won it was 2018. Oregon State won, but there was an SEC team in the series because it was Oregon State versus Arkansas. Okay. Jeez. And then it was year 2017. You had the re- year. This is the rematch of the 2017 series. Florida ended up winning the national championship over LSU, and so we'll see if LSU can get it back this time. All right. So uh, clearly, uh, SEC uh, doing work in the in the tournament. And then uh, one one other thing: the last time there was not an SEC team in the College World Series final was 2016, which was Coastal Carolina versus Arizona. And that's wow. why some weird things happened in, in Coastal One. 
Uh, there's no big SEC team there to stop them. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think that uh, it was a great game. 0-0 for those that don't know until the bottom of the 11th. Two-run homer by Tommy White. So I mentioned the RBI total uh, earlier this week. Maybe it was yesterday. Officially now 100 RBIs in 68 games. Yeah, that's insane. Math is not having to be that difficult in this point. If he get, It would take him, so 70 plus 70 be 140. Take two off each one of those because it's 68. 136 games he would reach 200 RBIs. That's the pace that he's on. Wow. The MLB record for RBIs in 162-game season, I think it's like 192 or 191, uh, which is still patently absurd. But that's how many runs Tommy White has run. 100 runs in 68 games. That's essentially saying you show up to the ballpark, he will have an RBI, and a half the time he will have two RBIs because yeah. that's averaging an RBI and, I, RBI and a half. Per game, and I've never really thought of a baseball statistic like that, but that's how gaudy his numbers are. So, uh, LSU and Florida is the title series that we get. I think it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Uh, the Monday would obviously be the if necessary. And guys, it is uh, just seeing LSU play all year long. I know Auburn did win a series against them. Auburn uh, faced Florida way earlier in yeah. the schedule. Lost that uh, series, but won a game. Did win a game. Right, so Auburn saw yep. both these teams. And, again, not really shocking. Uh, I know that seed-wise they weren't quite one and two, but Florida was number two. LSU was number five, ultimately. Not shocking that we're seeing something like this in the in the College World Series final. No. I mean, you watch SEC baseball all year. You knew these two teams were good. Florida, Florida was one of those teams that was good all year, but they kind of just sat in the background. They were like, hey, we're, we're up here. We're in the top five. I think they were top five for mm-hmm. most of the season. Yes, they were. And they just they, – they were very – Un, unsung top five. It was everyone was talking about. Oh, here's uh, Wake Forest. Here's LSU. Uh, you know, Arkansas got some praise early. Not a lot of people were on that Florida bandwagon, and they've stormed their way through it. And you, you know, they're they're in the championship series again. Uh, it, it's 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 a team that you can always basically count on being there toward the end. Is is Florida. And they're they're proving it again. They're they're right there in it. And they've got a they're they're on you know. Everybody's talked about LSU all year. They've got such a good lineup. They've got sh- you know s- very very uh, well put together team. But you have to say that Florida coming into this series is probably favored because they're going to have the extra day off, get their pitchers yeah. ready, and you you may not see uh, LSU's best pitcher until maybe Monday night if they get to Monday night, and he may not even be able to go <laughs> yeah. more the than full, a couple innings. A lot, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what's funny is I was watching. I was spending most of my time watching the NBA draft. Same. Yes, as well. Um, and then uh, I was watching at a buddy's house, came back, and so I came home, and it was getting into the second round of the draft, so I was like, ah, whatever, you know, uh, not as interested. There were still a couple names that I kind of wa- wanted to watch out for, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to turn on this baseball game I've been seeing on Twitter, how it's it's getting it's getting real good, nobody scored yet. I was like, all right, well, let's see where you're at. I, I turn on my TV, and it's the beginning of the uh, bottom of the 11th. Oh, nice. <laughs> I turned it on and immediately watched Tommy White hit the home run. And I'm like, well, the game's over. <laughs> but I watched the most interesting part of that game, at least. Uh, so that was that was uh, great to see. And I was like, oh, man, he just hit a walk-off. It was pretty wild stuff. And I was like, well, it looks like we're going to have an all-ACC uh, championship. Um, and you're right, Brooks. I agree with, with 
uh, the sentiment that Florida will more than likely be favored. They'll have the healthier arms. Um, that's definitely kind of the concern. I, I wish that they'd, you know, wait maybe like a week so that everybody can get healthy for that championship game. And then that way you get the best out of the series. Um, you know, just the best out of it as, as possible. You get to see all the top pitchers in with their arms fully healthy, um, everybody 100% healthy uh, and able to play and use the bullpen. At, at The coaches get to use their bullpens at full discretion. Um, so that might be my only criticism of how they, they play the tournament. I know they it, it does go for a while already, but I don't think waiting like an extra week would hurt. Uh, it would give, I think it would, it would really boost everything from entertainment standpoint as well. Yeah. You know, the, the interesting thing is that in some of these other sports, particularly football, sometimes we talk about, man, I don't right. know if it's a great thing that we are waiting a whole entire month mm-hmm. past conference championship week for, the next set of games. Now it got shortened significantly with the playoff. It got shortened down about three weeks right. time, but, but still, you know, and th- there's rec- recovery there. There's finals. There's some other things that go into it. Obviously it's not uh, plain and simple, but nevertheless, the, this, there's somewhat of a sentiment, man, that's a long time to wait. Uh, and now in this, I have seen, you're not the first person to bring up or at least cross my radar today where saying, Hey, I wonder if uh, we should have waited four or five, six days and, and then done this. You know, I, I, I will label myself a little impatient here, and I <laughs> yeah. will say that my, my argument for having it pretty close is that it, it rewards a team like Florida for getting done with right. their business Handling a little quicker. Business, right. Um. It, it tests the whole entirety of a team. You got a fairly big roster, where you know if you uh, have real muscles and you have a strength that your team is depth, you can show that. Uh, and so, look, I, I get it because everyone wants to watch Skeens, and he was tremendous again last night. He's been tremendous all year long. He's Classic going to be one of the – you know, we talked about hyped-up uh, NBA prospects the other day, obviously. Uh, Skeens, for me, is starting to enter a territory as a baseball prospect, one of the bigger baseball prospects we've seen in the last decade or so, probably since – you know, I, I don't want to be – a little overkill here, but one of them since like the Bryce Harper, Steven Strasburg yeah. stuff of, of the Strasburg. Game. That's yeah. who they compared him to. I was going to say yeah. they've compared him to somebody I can't remember in terms of popularity and and how big of a prospect he is. And it was Strasburg. Yeah, yeah. And so it feels to me that we're starting to get that buzz, getting more on that path. I'm not going to say all the way to Strasburg's level because I mean that was a big deal, but. Certainly one of the bigger hype guys of the last decade, decade and a half. And justifiably so. He's throwing 9,900 miles per hour throughout the entirety of a game. He threw 120 pitches last night. So that goes into you guys' point of, you know, he's not definitely not available uh, tomorrow. No. Don't think he would be available Sunday, although I could see them panicking in the middle innings and trying to get two or three innings out of him. And then Monday, you know, that would be a decision. That would be three days rest. Uh, you could, you know, it'd be a conversation that Skeens and coaching staff might have. I could see it going one of two ways. I could say, no, we're going to protect you. You're the number one overall pick. We will use you late as maybe a closer if we need it. Right. Uh, or I could see Skeens saying, nope, 
want to pitch. This is for the title, want to pitch. And I could see him taking the ball to start the game and then just not going, being on some sort of like 60, 70 pitch count and not going yeah. all the way up to 100 pitches, maybe going four or five innings. I don't know. It would be interesting to see it play out. But he's certainly not going to be available on the front end of this thing. Uh, the good news for LSU is still they have a ton of great bats, as we talked about. Their bullpen, look, for the year, not great. They had a dude with his six ERA through three one-hit innings, though, after Skeens to get the victory last night. So clearly they've got uh, some ability there and uh, definitely looking forward to LSU and Florida coming up this weekend for the College World Series Championship. We're going to take our first time out of the show today. When we come back, we'll go to the Auburn Make phone line for the first time today. Also, birthdays and sports coming up. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. into the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm follow sports call on twitter at sports call au like us on facebook at sports call au Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Nailed Ryan Boy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Barry. You see, there's a great argument <laughs> to have cameras in the studio so that people can keep up with us during the, during the breaks. We have some thoughtful conversations, but there's also times where we have less thoughtful conversations. <laughs> Or that it's panic mode, and I was just in a panic mode trying to get some things arranged. And so uh, there's also times where it'd be funny, but I think it would change the rating of our program Mm. a little bit. So uh, definitely not fit for radio language at times. And uh, yeah, so sometimes the guys joke because I I just turn it off and on on a whim. And I hey, that's it. a good way of telling myself, like, hey, I'm in some somewhat of control of my actions, you know. And it's just like, okay, I this isn't a problem, you know. I don't need I don't need help, as far as I know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so sometimes it gets pretty chaotic with with us uh, going between breaks. I tell you what, the day that we had the Wacky Wednesday, where the soda we keep bringing it up, it was a great uh, great thing that Tom brought up. But and when we had the Wacky Wednesday last Wednesday, yeah. And did the the soda taste test. That was certainly a day where everyone Camera. would have enjoyed. Yeah, and, and we did get that filmed, by the way. So uh, we, not the in between stuff, but uh, we uh, we got uh, Tom's girlfriend Michelle in here, and we're still trying to figure out how to use that video. It's been sent to me. It's it's perfectly 
usable, but we're just trying to figure out what uh, what platforms and, and how to just use it. Just put it out on Twitter. Yeah, it's, but, well, you can't because it's 17 minutes long. So you'd have ah. to post certain clips and that sort of thing. So there's two 17-minute long videos. Okay. okay. Ish. Okay. So, so, yeah, no, it's a lot of good content. We just got to figure out Facebook page is the way to go or a few clips on Twitter and uh, I've uh, been my add my head in other projects this week, so we, we will we, eventually be posting the video to that somewhere. Yeah. Do so. we have a way to clip it up here? Uh, say that again. Does, do we have a way to clip it up here? Like, do we have? Does anybody have Premiere? Uh, I don't think do so. No? I don't think so. I do. Well, Cam does. So we'll that will be that will be an off air conversation <laughs> that we will we will uh, we will figure that out uh, in particular in time for next week but uh, anyway we do need to progress through the show uh, at this point three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line today we go to that Auburn Bank phone line for the first time James from Montgomery James is with us James how are you doing today I'm good and War Eagle War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all talk about uh, the NBA draft, and I actually uh, would give out my NBA draft um, report cards from uh, Thursday and Friday. Um, I'll probably give uh, an A plus to the San Antonio Spurs. Actually, you know they were, you know they were number one overall pick with uh, Victor and and Biana. I mean, I, I see great things coming out of him uh, this year. Yeah, I think a lot of people do. There's there's very high expectations on Wimbenyama, and uh, I think that he will be the the obvious front runner for Rookie of the Year at least to start the year. And everyone is going to be really excited to watch him play. Yes, as well. And then for my next grade, I'll have to say I'll give like a B minus to the Charlotte Hornet of picking uh, Brandon Miller. And when he when they were actually talking with Brandon Miller during the uh, like during the week before the draft, he was comparing himself to some of the NBA players that he's never that he's never met or never seen in person, and that's why I gave Brandon Miller a B minus because if you're if you're a college if you're a college basketball player going into the league, I mean, for me as a fan standpoint. You know, you. I mean, Brandon Miller has never seen in person. You know, these guys that he was comparing himself to. He he never seen those guys. So that's why I gave Brandon Miller that B minus. Yeah, some guys obviously uh, make some comparisons, and they certainly aspire to uh, to be up to a certain level. And a lot of them just have a, a lot of confidence in their game. Yes, I would not take Brandon Miller as a basketball player over some of the top guards and forwards in the game right now. But I think the expectation, the hope for him and for the Hornets is that he will become that one day, not right away, not in year one, but maybe year three and five and, and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, I know that some guys can uh, maybe rub people the wrong way if they make a comparison or say one thing or the other. But obviously a lot of these guys have to have tremendous confidence in themselves to get to this point. Yeah, that's so because when Brandon Miller was – talking and he was saying that he wanted to compare himself around um ellen iverson i mean when, when you actually compare yourself to ellen iverson i mean there's a lot of other guys that he could like like idolize his game after some of the great nba legends that played in the nba that won rings i mean it was so many 
options out there for him. Like, if it was me being in the NBA draft and they asked me if I was, you know, getting drafted to, you know, Charlotte or Dallas, if, if I was going to be getting drafted that night to the Dallas Mavericks and they'll say, who do you, uh, you know, idolize your game after I'll just say, you know, Jason Kidd or uh, Jason Tatum. You know, those guys that I've actually seen on the Dallas roster's team actually play. And, you know, for me, as being a Dallas fan, I actually, you know, want to, you know, idolize my games after that. And I do uh, – I actually play uh, pickup basketball from time to time. And actually, most people, they say, oh, he has a really good jump shot, and I do. I have one of the best jump shots ever. Okay, so you got a great jump shot. Does uh, does anyone else, so when they see you play, compare you to any NBA players right now? Um, well, actually, my sister's boyfriend, he actually compares me with my great jump shot to uh, Luka Doncic as well because I, I can actually do the, the step-back three, and it actually goes in as well. Okay, yeah, the step-back three, definitely, uh, definitely something that Luka does incredibly well. Yes, as well. And then um, I'll probably give, like, um, all A's to other teams that I'm actually going to be looking, you know, other teams that actually pick great players. And uh, I, I out of out of those teams, I when they were getting called for, you know, the, the players that they want to get drafted, the thing that I'd like to see out of one team from the NBA draft, I would love to see, the Atlanta Hawks make it to the NBA Finals this year as well. I would also like the Atlanta Hawks to make it to the NBA Finals, James. Yeah, because I've actually seen uh, some teams actually make it or try to make it to the NBA Finals, but I think Atlanta, the city of Atlanta, need to the the Atlanta Hawks need to actually make it to the NBA Finals, and I think I'm gonna keep my hopes up for the Atlanta for the Atlanta uh, team and seeing how they're going to do uh, next year when the uh, NBA season actually uh, starts in 2024 as well. Who do you want to see the Hawks play in the NBA Finals? Um, I would actually have to say that would be – I would love to see the Atlanta Hawks play against the Indiana, Indiana, uh, Indiana Pacers. Yes, I would love to see that as well. Very okay. That would be uh, again. That's a, a matchup that can ha- happen in the Eastern Conference playoffs, but can't quite uh, happen in the NBA Finals since they're both Eastern Conference teams. But uh, what, yeah, we'll see if, if that happens. Yeah, I, I think it would happen as well. And uh, seeing some some great players that are going to be actually uh, going to be looking good this year as well. And um, you know, for a lot of people that play. Uh, you know, NBA video games as well. I mean, some of these guys that just got drafted uh, last night, i probably say they might be on somebody's uh, on somebody's team as well. Probably so. What else do you have on your mind today? Well, with the um, NBA, with the Major League Baseball draft, I'm going to be watching that and uh, seeing um, some great talent coming in and uh, seeing um, who, who these teams are actually going to be picking in the draft and i know it's going to be at the beginning of july so it's going to be july 1st through the second so i know it's going to be really quick um i think it's like 20 20 rounds somewhere around in there but i think it's going to be a really good draft for me and this this is actually going to be my first time ever watching 
uh, Major League Baseball draft as well. Okay, I got you. So it's it's the second week of July. It's July 9th through eleventh. So don't want uh, don't want you to miss that. But yeah, it's uh, it is shortened now. It is twenty rounds. It used to be like forty something or fifty something. So they have shortened it a little bit, but still a pretty long draft. And uh, I know that they'll probably have coverage on MLB Network of that. Yes, I saw because you know I'm actually going to be looking at to see uh, if my Texas Rangers might pick somebody uh, first or second round overall, and I'm just going to you know welcome them with open arms because I'm a Texas Rangers fan, and um, you know I do follow the Texas Rangers on Twitter. So if uh, if I see a great player, I'll just tell them welcome to the Rangers, and I hope they actually win me a ring as well. Sounds like a good idea. Yes, as well. And then with the um, Major League Baseball uh, draft coming in, I would like to have some uh, uh, Major League Baseball uh, trivia as well. All right, some Major League Baseball trivia. Okay, but not just not draft, just just on the season so far. Yes, on the on the whole entire season so far. Okay, awesome. Who has the best record in Major League Baseball right now? Which team? Um, I would actually have to say that would be the Atlanta Braves. That is very close. They do have the second best record of Major League Baseball and the best record of the National League, but this team we're looking for is an American League team. Mm, I did see this team yesterday, and I would have to say that would be the New York Yankees. Usually a good guess, as the Yankees have a lot of history, but not uh, not as much this year. They're third in their division, but it, it is the correct division. This team is from the AL East. Mm, from the AL East. I know it's not St. Louis. I know it's not Chicago. And I know it's not the Dodgers. Um, so I might as well hit like a home run with this one. So I'll probably say mm, the, uh, they're in a, mm, the Tampa Bay Rays. Yes, you got it. Absolutely, it is the Tampa Bay Rays. They, uh, they've had the best record in baseball pretty much throughout this season. They are 52 and 26 right now. All right. Ready for another one? Yes. Who leads Major League Baseball in home runs? Um, I will actually have to say this guy, I think this guy would be like a first-round Hall of Fame ballot Hall of Famer, and I will have to say, um, I will just have to say this guy from the New York Yankees. I know the Yankees um, fans will love this. So I'll just say all rise to Aaron Judge. I do love all rise. Uh, it's Judgment Day, but unfortunately he's been injured a little too much this year. And so he was trying to lead the league at one time, but he's missed too many games. So he does not currently have the most home runs this year. Okay. Um, I would have to say um, with home runs, I'll probably say uh, Nathan Lau of the Texas uh, Rangers. Not quite. I'll give you a hint, though. This guy is famous because he can do more than just hit. Um, um, I'm like drawing a huge, huge blank. Plays for the Los Angeles Angels. Um, I think it's Rodriguez. Not quite. I know they have Mike Trout, and he is usually a great player, but this guy hits and pitches. Um, mm, I'm not quite sure. 
It's uh, um, it, are you ready for the answer? Yes. It's Shohei Otani. He is the two-way superstar that leads the league in home runs, and he's also an excellent pitcher. Yes, as well, because I think um, with uh, Shohei Otani, he is a uh, two-time uh, player in the in the Major League uh, Baseball series, and I can actually compare him to no other than uh, uh, head coach of the of uh, the Colorado uh, Buffaloes, um, Deion Sanders. He's one of the one of the uh, greatest uh, players in in football and in baseball as well. Okay, I see that. Uh, I see that comparison there. Uh, one more question, and we're going to make this about your Texas Rangers. Okay, sure. Uh, all right, which uh, which player on the Texas Rangers has the most hits this season? Um, I would actually have to say that would be. I would have to say that would be. Um, mm, there's so many guys on my on my team. Um. Mm, I'll, I'll probably say that will be Brandon Lau. So yeah, Brandon Lau. Of course, he uh, he still plays for Tampa. It's Nathaniel Lau that plays for uh, Texas. He's second on the team in hits, so not quite first. Okay. Um, I know it's not. Um, I know it's not Elvis because I I know he he's long gone. You know from the from the team. He was on the roster, but they, you know, he he walked off. From, from the team as well. Um, um, I'll, I'll just have to take a hard pass on this one. Gotcha. It is Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon. He has 86 hits to lead the Rangers in 74 games. Yeah, so I, I think the Rangers, um, I think we're going to do good uh, today as well. And, um, you know, seeing, I know we play a, a tough game on the road. We go up to New York, so I know it's going to be um, kind of, it's not going to be an easy game for the Rangers to actually play in uh, Yankee Stadium. So I'm just going to see how things go with the uh, Rangers up there in, in New York as well. Yep, should be a fun series there in, in the Bronx. Any final thoughts for us today before we let you go? Um, well, my final thoughts I actually have is I'm actually going to be really excited to actually see the WNBA All Star game. Uh, that will be coming up on June, uh, the, no, July the 22nd. And I've already actually picked, um, some great all-star players that I've already picked on my roster. So I'm just going to see some of these ladies actually, uh, do really good as well. All right. And that's uh, about a month from now. So it'll be coming up soon. Yes, as well. And then I'll, on Monday, I'll tell you all who are those, uh, NBA all-star uh, players that I actually picked as well. All right. Sounds good. Have a great weekend, All right. James. All right. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to take our next time out of the show. Back with more sports call right after this.
Phone's Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan Cameron Brooks with you here on this Friday. Another instance of why we don't have I can't wait for SEC Media Days. The, yeah, uh, we were <laughs> ironing out some SEC Media Days details. We can officially announce, not that it's shocking, we, we go every year, but we are going to be in Nashville, and we've uh, secured a place to stay and that sort of thing. So really looking forward to a uh, trip up to Nashville in just under a month. And uh, as we approach SEC Media Days, we're going to be starting to get into some preseason stuff, at least some off-season listing and that sort of thing. And as we get to Media Days, we're going to be starting to hit every team in the SEC hard. Last year, where Vanderbilt gets to be 14th in the league, they'll be knocked down to 16th. Uh, and another 12 months. Just Oof. just saying it like it is. I mean, Vanderbilt will, will drop two more spots in the league yep. in, in 12 months. You just wait till they get that best program in the country. I know. I know. It, that <laughs> it, that was last media days that he it said was. that. And uh, <sighs> we're looking forward to, to looking forward to the sequel to that, I guess. Uh, a few minutes left here in hour number one. Still a lot ahead on today's show. Again, Player of the Week will be revealed in the 4 o'clock hour. Also going to re- replay that interview with Ryan Priest, current NASCAR Cup Series driver with Stuart Haas Racing. So that will be a little bit later. Also some talk on the Braves and also got to recap the NBA draft last night, so still a lot to do. So with that in mind, let's keep things rolling with today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. All right, today's birthdays here on June the 23rd. Matt Light turns 44, former tackle for the New England Patriots. Light was born in Ohio and was an All-State selection football as well as shot put. Played college football at Purdue. Boiler up. Where he was an All-Big Ten selection in 2000, helping the Boilermakers to a Big Ten title. He was drafted in the second round by the Patriots in 2001 and would spend the entirety of his 11-year career in New England. Three-time Pro, Bowl, Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, and three-time Super Bowl champion, member of the Patriots Hall of Fame, Matt Light, turns 44 today. Pats. Also turning, I was waiting for that uh, earlier, and you, and you gave it at the end, so there yeah. you go. Uh, also turning 44 today, LaDainian Tomlinson, former running back for the San Diego Chargers. Can we get like a go Ar- uh, an, an Arnold go charges? No. no? Okay. All right. Uh, Tomlinson was born in Texas, played football, baseball, and basketball, and ran track in high school. Played college football at TCU, 
Go Froggies. <laughs> he set several school records and NCAA records. He's a one-time All-American, two-time WAC Player of the Year. The WAC. One-time winner of the Doak Walker Award. His number five is retired by TCU, taken fifth overall in the 2001 draft by the Chargers, spent nine of his 11 seasons in San Diego, five-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, one-time MVP. His number 21 is retired by the Chargers. He's a member of both, both the Pro and College Football Hall of Fames. One of the great running backs uh, of this generation when Damian Tomlinson turns 44. Cameron Artis Payne turns 33, former Auburn running back. War Eagle. Artis Payne was born in Pennsylvania, played two years of Juco ball at Allen Hannett College. In 2012, he was named Juco All-American, transferred to Auburn in 2013, helped the Tigers to an SEC title in 2013, and was named All-SEC in 2014. Drafted in the fifth round of the 2015 draft by the Carolina Panthers, he last played in the CFL. Cameron Artis Payne Cap turns 33 today. I had a class with Cap. Oh, I had nice. my freshman year was 2014, and I had a class. I think it was geology <laughs> with Cap. So some rocks. Yeah. Well, you know, we were we were rooting for. Uh, we were already going for GPA boosters early on. Yeah, uh, that's so fair. Someone just got very offended out there. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Uh, I thought it was more interesting than the average person. I really did. I did not mind that class at all. I did pay attention. It was the 9 a.m. class, and I had oh. an 8 a.m. I had an 8 a.m. So, okay. it, so I was I was finally awake by 9 a.m. The 8 a.m. class, I think, was ge- I think I went geography, geology. You got to take some main classes first year. What do you want? You got. I mean, I don't know. What do you want from me? You want to know a fun fact? What's a fun fact? My father, also an Auburn graduate. His degree is in geology. There you go. Look at that. And so hopefully Dusty is good with with uh, with me kind of slandering freshman geology. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully. Um, I did not, I'm not slandering it. It was a good class. Again, this I liked my teacher. Cap, Cap was in there. It was a great time. Cap, Cap always, I think this was 9 a.m. It could have been 10 a.m. Always had like two things of food I coming mean, into that class. Always. To. Always two things of food. So anyway, Cameron Arts Payne turns 33 today. Tim Anderson Jr. turns 30. He is shortstop for the Chicago White Sox. Anderson was born in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and played both baseball and basketball in high school. He played college baseball at East Central Community College in Mississippi and had committed to UAB, go Blazers, before being drafted 17th overall by the White Sox in 2013. I think he made the right decision. Was called up in 2016, currently starting for the White Sox. Two-time All-Star, one-time Silver Slugger, one-time batting title winner. Man, that was probably going to be like the biggest recruit UAB would ever had. And uh, got yeah. drafted 17th overall. <laughs> Let's go Absolutely Warriors. Uh, Thompson? No, East, uh, oh. East Central. I was about to say, he's from Tuscaloosa. I don't know which high school he went to. Hillcrest, I don't know. East Central Community College. Okay. Let's go Warriors. And so that is Tim Anderson, who was proud UAB commit. Saw him play in Pensacola when he was with AA Birmingham. And I actually have a uh, minor league baseball card set. I bought a minor league baseball card set at one of the games that year. And his card was in there, and I got him to sign it. So I've got a signed Tim Anderson card somewhere at home. My parents' house. Did he put uh, would have been UAB grade on it? No. No? Tim Anderson turns 30 today. Those are the birthdays in sports. Matt Light, 44. LaDainian Tomlinson, 44. Cameron Artis Payne, 33. And Tim Anderson, 30. Just a couple minutes left here in hour number one. 
Uh, Brooks, you did not consume NBA draft last night. Not as much. I, I watched. I'll tell you what. I had the second round on. Okay. I don't know why. Matt but, flies. You know why? you know why I had the second round on? Because my commissioner was in there giving out, was announcing. Mark Tatum. My, Mar- <laughs> Mark Tatum is my commissioner. Mark Tatum. So on one hand, we've only got two minutes, so we'll, we'll have a little water cooler talk here. So I always love that the premise of Adam Silver goes first round and then, oh, it stops mattering. Yeah. It's time for me to end the night. Here's Tatum. I'm going to say, at well, least, like, yeah. you know, the NFL draft, it's like, here's Roger Goodell, mm-hmm. and it, it is on separate nights, but then it's like, all right, after that, he welcomes you into the next few rounds, or the other, other rounds, and he's like, all right, I'm, I'm done. This is the same night. This yeah. is like one pick to the next. It's like, yeah, I'm done. But yeah, the, all right, this is your league. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> the good news is, because didn't he, correct me if I'm wrong, was he deputy commissioner when Stern was doing it, so yes. did he hand it off to Silver? Yes. So it's like it's like a rite of passage, passage I guess. Right. If you're gonna Again, my commissioner. commissioner. <laughs> my commissioner. My uh, commissioner. But at least for Tatum, it's only like three minutes to take yeah. picks, and I think the first hour ended, or first hour, the first round <sighs> ended about 10-15. Bruh, it was so right? late, yes. Ridiculously late. And I think the whole thing was over by like eleven forty-five. Uh, so our so the third round, third round. I can talk. The second round took about hour and a half, hour fifteen. Still shouldn't take that. So long. The, the the second round that was, I mean, thirty picks and ninety minutes ish. And again, we were we were it's booking. Not as bad. We were yeah, booking, but first first round we were not. God. Uh, but so it, I just find it funny. It's like yeah, Tatum, stay up late, announce these picks that half of them won't make the league. Draft should be like three hours max. So for well, two rounds. I know it's good. it's a whole thing, but I, yeah, man. NFL spreads out over three we, days. And but the, I know the thing is that's a much larger draft. The thing is, but the first round takes they take ten minutes between picks, not seven. But, like the, the, yeah. but I'll, I'll give him this. I'll give you this. The NFL draft. Everybody wants to know who your first round draft pick is. Yeah. In the NBA, after like the first two or three picks, nobody cares. Even the teams that are drafting, like, yeah, we're probably going to trade this pick. <laughs> nope. I would admit it to lottery. Give me, give me the yeah, lottery, yeah, the lottery guys. Yeah, again, first 12, thirds, 14 picks. Two thirds yeah. of those first round picks are traded anyway. It's like, oh, this, it's like uh, Walker Kessler got dealt with last year. It's like twice. It, here, you're drafted on Memphis. Actually, you're getting traded to Minnesota. Minnesota actually signs them, and then they're like, you know what? We actually are trading you. Yeah. Well, hey, and there's famous draft day trades that didn't go well for teams. True, true, true. Okay, we talk about the Kobe stuff all the time, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and and uh, there Kawhi Leonard got traded on draft draft day. That wasn't <laughs> that wasn't top five or anything. That ended up mattering a whole lot. So it happens. It happens. We are out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned in hour number two. We will recap some of that stuff from the NBA last night. Also, player of the week. A little bit about the Atlanta Braves, and coming up a little later. We'll replay that interview with NASCAR Cup Series driver Ryan Priest. Stay tuned. A lot ahead on this Friday edition of Sports Call. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620, WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. 
It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress. Let's just say... Canberry. Let's just say that if we wanted to start our own... Um, PI firm, we could do it. <laughs> yeah, let's just say that. Seconded. Would uh, the Childresses be the the lead on that? Oh, by far. I mean, <laughs> that was yeah. I know. It's kind of a dumb. I question. know who I'm married to. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm at least aware of that that skill too. Yeah. So don't mention anybody around me, or else some we will both know everything about that person that we possibly can in right. the next twenty minutes. Yeah. Uh, good like that. They got it like can, that. Are you are yeah. I was I know she is. Are you good enough to where if I'm just like I only know a first name, can you get there? Mm, I'm not that good. She is. Okay. Yeah, no, I assume she is. <laughs> That's wild. Uh so yeah, there you go. Uh so starting second hour here, coming up a little bit, we'll do uh, sports calls player of the week. Again, we've been in the kind of the habit of revealing that late in the week, but uh, it's still very relevant because it involves some baseball. Let's talk a little basketball here before we uh, – or I guess let's talk some basketball here to start hour number two with the NBA draft last night. As mentioned a little bit earlier, Brandon Miller does go second to Charlotte. Scoot Henderson goes third to Portland. There was not really a significant trade that took place last night. There were plenty of trades, but they were to swap other draft picks, and like one was a salary filler move where, yeah. where I, Dallas was, was trying to get off, off of the a, off of a move. I'll tell you it, what, I, I was sitting there and I was I was actually watching a movie for most of the night, um, but I do have my Woj uh, tweet notifications turned on. Okay. The man was working. Oh yeah, and it was just a bunch of numbers. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, is this math? I thought they were drafting players. Yeah, right. Uh, so a lot of second-round picks and stuff being traded, and then some of these first-round picks were in other trades, so that, that got a little little complicated. Uh, the Thompson Twins went 4-5, so that's, that's awesome. a big moment for them. That's really cool. Uh, mentioned watching out for Anthony Black. He goes to the Magic like that pick. Um, needed needed yeah. a guard. Had a bunch of forwards. So. I think we both mentioned that we could see him in Orlando. Um, so like that, and there were some trades. We did see uh, Cam Whitmore of Villanova fall significantly. Yeah. That was another medical storyline. Uh, so he went down so to great. twenty. You had guys like uh, Noah Clowney go twenty-one to to Brooklyn. They had back-to-back pick, picks. They went to my two least favorite teams in existence. <laughs> they went Noah Clowney and Derek Whitehead out of Duke. Uh, officially anti nets, right. but but you know what? I tell you what, I do like uh, I like those players. Though. Oh yeah, I talk about all the time. Once they leave the school, then we we open up a new new court case against them. <laughs> and uh, I, and I there's always a Duke guard I end up liking a lot. Right. Uh, I remember a few drafts ago, you know, uh, Gary Trent Jr. was someone I really liked. He was like late first, early second mock. I'm like, for that value, I mean, like, I'm pretty sure the dude's going to score in the NBA. So it's like, I know he's not going to be an all-star, but I think he's going to be a 
be a, a productive scorer. And yeah, he's been 18, 20 point guy at times. So, sure. you know who uh, I, I thought had a, a good draft? Who had a good draft? Uh, I, I thought it was uh, Houston. The, yeah, you got they, Thompson, and then did. you end up getting Whitmore, who is a guy that uh, I, I saw a several people saying wing. that he could have gone. Like they were looking at him maybe as a possibility yeah. at four, and you don't get him. And you get him at your second pick at twenty. He's still there. Yeah. I like that. I mean, Whitmore was mocked in the top seven yeah, or eight he's, in, he's, in he's almost a every dynamic mock. guy. But it, it seems like a lot of teams were worried about his uh, his health. Uh, that seemed to really. Um, is what was the main cause of his fall. I love the the Amon Thompson pick for for um, the Rockets. Um, now you know a true point guard that they'll have to kind of run. He's six seven, athletic as could be. Um, I mean, just overall really good player in Amon Thompson. Um, I wasn't sure about the Asur Thompson pick. I'm I'm not gonna lie for, for the Pistons. I mean, I, obviously you need more than one shooting guard. Um, to really, you know, make that situation work. I mean, you just need depth overall, but they have Jaden Ivey, so I figured he would be their automatic two spot of the future. Um, but uh, Asura is six seven, so technically he can play that guard wing type type of, of role and be a three and D type of guy. Um, so maybe that'll work where he just ends up being just the wing. He's, he's classified as a guard, but... Um, he's so big that he might be able to just play that wing wing position. Uh, I like the Jarius Walker pick for um, they trade the the um, the uh, Pacers traded back and got Jarius Walker. I like that pick to fill that power forward position. Um, uh, I think that's a really solid move. Um, and then the the Wizards kind of have something. <laughs> the Wizards kind of have something. They got Tyus Jones now. They have they drafted Bilal Koulibaly. Um and then what well, let's see. They had got some returns um ah oh, just off the top of my head I can't think. They well they might get Kuzma. Um might be able to keep and hold on to him. Um they have um Daniel Gafford. Um Tyus Jones, Ty- Jordan Poole. Jordan yeah. Poole. Yeah. That's who I was yeah, the pool trade. Jordan Poole. So they have a good young core that they can kind of work with now. Uh, now that they're kind of off of Beal, they can kind of focus on their own rebuild now uh, and kind of kind of move forward with what they have going on. So uh, that's that's not too bad. Koulibaly's a, a lengthy uh, wing guy, played alongside um, Victor Wembanyama on Met 92, and, and they were uh, obviously a good, a good duo. He played himself really into this top 10 conversation that he was. Uh, he, nobody had heard of him really. Uh, he kind of joined forces with, with Victor and uh, they, they kind of snapped out there and now he, he played himself into being a top 10 draft pick. So really good for him. Uh, love the Derek Lively pick for the Mavericks and they traded back to get him and they were able to get off the Bertans contract, a really good move there. Um, getting him at 12 uh, that's really good value um, and then um, Grady Dick from Kansas that's a good draft pick for for the um, for the Raptors as well good good shooter good addition he can um, you know might need to improve a little bit on his on his defense but overall he's a solid player definitely definitely a knockdown knockdown shooter um, and I also like the Jaime Hawkins pick for Miami that's another good one that I really thought. I think that it's he's the gonna, heat culture. Yeah, the heat. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna contribute very well. Uh, really, just an all around great scorer. 
um, especially at UCLA. So uh, a good additional piece uh, for them to have. Now just trade for Damian Lillard and you're set if you're the Miami Heat. Uh, so, yeah, it was a good, good, good first round. Um, a lot of a lot of teams, and then Kobe Brown out of Mizzou going to the Clippers. That was a good pick as well. I feel like um, he he'll, he'll have a lot to contribute for sure. Some things at the end of the first round really um, intrigue me. These are guys that I'm about to talk about that had incredible college success or incredible promise going into college. Yeah, there's about four of these last six picks. I want to hit on real quickly. So I thought now they traded this to Detroit. Yeah, I thought that Boston was going to have Sasser, Marcus Sasser of Houston at twenty five. That would have been that was the Grizzlies, right. Celtics, Wizards trade, yeah. and then they flipped that and traded Detroit. I thought they should have kept Sasser. Oh my! I gosh. thought that was the right pick for Boston because I thought that was a Marcus Smart replacement. Yeah. I can see him being Absolutely. a very comparable player to Marcus Smart, and he's going to be... If you played for the University of Houston last year, you were a good defensive player. Right. But then, obviously, we knew how important Sasser was offensively to Houston's success with him going through the injury stuff. And so I thought Sasser would have made a ton of sense. He ends up in Detroit. Okay, you know, they've, they've got to build young talent. Obviously, he won't play over Cade Cunningham, but... Or Jay Nivey, but I mean, you know, yeah. Cunningham's coming off a serious injury, and right. I mean, like you got to plan for stuff. So uh, I like Sasser as a player. I think he will have a role in the league as a defender. Nick Smith Jr. to Charlotte, uh, obviously a lot of promise for him coming out of high school, big time recruit going to Arkansas. Was never really healthy yeah. at Arkansas yeah, last year, so this is kind of like a, a an upside pick for them where there's entirely possible in three years Nick Smith is out of the league. But it's also entirely possible he becomes a starting caliber player yeah. in the league, maybe even borderline all-star. Maybe that's sure. the ceiling. So interesting there because of the LaMelo thing. But, again, they've always kind of paired one smaller guy with LaMelo, so not necessarily blocked by LaMelo ball there, but that was interesting to me. And then the last two picks of the first round. So I mentioned yesterday wanted to see what Denver did because basically the main way they're going to add players, they're going to either convince – veterans on minimum contracts to ring chase or they're going to take a couple competent guys in the draft they took right. julian strother out of gonzaga he was obviously took uh, made the big shot uh at the end there to beat what was it uh, kansas state yeah that they beat uh, mm-hmm. on that shot uh so he hits the big tournament shot last year veteran player played multiple years at gonzaga long and lanky can shoot mm-hmm. um I think best case for him, he can compare to somebody that is already on their team. He could be a poor man's Michael Porter Jr. If he ever everything works out, right. he's a little shorter than Porter. I think Porter's like six nine, yeah, six, six ten. Nine, six, ten but yeah. uh, Strother at six seven, six eight, kind of a longer, uh, lankier guy that can shoot from the perimeter. So that's an important add for them. We'll see if he adds to Christian Brown in terms of young guys that, that get a few minutes off the bench. And then I just love this guy from an efficiency standpoint because he's so damn good at it in college. But Kobe Brown mm-hmm. going to the Clippers, like the love Clippers that. have um, not a pro. Their problems are different than Atlanta's that I mentioned yesterday in a, in a way. But the other way that I see some similarities there is is the Clippers have a ton of guys that are like B minus players that are trying to figure out like which rotation is best yeah. and who to prioritize over other guys because. A couple of years ago, it looked like Terrence Mann was going to be a big deal, and now he sometimes doesn't hardly play. Yeah. And, uh, is Zubach playing too much? Uh, should they 
Uh, Move off of Paul George, right? right. I mean, they've Kawhi they've got Leonard not being healthy, right? They, yeah. They've got a lot of questions, but I really like the offensive ability of Kobe Brown. He was just scored from every level efficiently at Missouri. A uh, little undersized for the position, but uh, he is going to be able to score, I think, uh, yeah. in the NBA. And yeah. and so maybe will... th- maybe if you move him to the three, I mean, I know you know obviously he played four, played right. played bigger throughout the entirety of his college career but uh maybe if he starts to go smaller i mean it's not like he doesn't have the ability to put the ball on the floor so maybe maybe that'll work out in his favor um to where he plays a little plays a little bit smaller and um kind of kind of could could dominate in that three spot maybe right and then a couple other uh, sec guys in the second round just to hit home for everybody the point julian phillips of tennessee obviously there's rumors that he might back out of the draft and go to the portal and auburn be involved he is going to be a chicago bull he was drafted 35th oh so see i was so confused but i don't like that they're not showing the actual team right I'm it looking says at this dra- celtics draft but yeah, yeah he's a okay, he's so a he's bull going to the bulls yeah Actually, i'm using I, nba.com if yeah, anyone would know that's what i should um, ESPN's killing me. Thirty-eight to the Celtics. Actually, going to the Celtics. Jordan Walsh, okay, of Arkansas, another SEC guy there. Uh, Gigi Jackson going at forty-five to the Grizz. I think that's a nice high upside pick with Absolutely. second round guys. If you just find someone that can stay in the league for seven or eight years, you've done a good you job win. with the second round pick. Yeah. But also with this guy, like in other words, like there's no harm, no foul if whoever you take in the second round does not end up staying in the NBA. Like he's off your team in two or three years. I, I really, obviously, anyone you draft is like there's a level of disappointment. But like you, you can't point to teams that fail and be like, yeah, you know, they just never got their second round picks right. That's why they suck. Yeah, no, that's not really a reason. Um, but you could get steals, and I love someone like Gigi Jackson at 45 because he was one of the top recruits in the country. He reclassified. He was the only competent thing that South Carolina had last year. And so there's a world where, yes, in two years he's out of the league, he's in the G League, and it's just like, man, what could have been from, from him in the, his high school days? Or you could say, well, he's a top high school player. What if he figures it out? And if he figures it out, he's the type of second rounder. It's like, wow, I got a great value there. He's a second round pick that could be a starter in the NBA and then some. So I like that for uh, the Grizzlies. Uh, Gigi Jackson coming out of South Carolina. And I believe that was it. One more uh, SEC guy at the very end, Chris Livingston of Kentucky going to Milwaukee. There was some weird stuff, if you follow along online a little bit, weird stuff where like Rich Paul was apparently calling teams saying, don't take my client. I've got some something lined up for him, huh. which feels like tampering and doesn't what? feel legal. But yeah, no, go back and look at some of the reporting last night. Uh, and uh, they were, I think, I can't remember if it was Woj or Shams, Shams, one of the two. And they were talking about Rich Paul has called teams asking the teams not to take Chris Livingston because they had a draft promise. That, again, sounds like that's not the way it should work and not the way that does work. But yet he goes the last pick of the second round to Milwaukee. And I could definitely oh see gosh, why he yeah. wanted him to go to Milwaukee because Milwaukee's really good at basketball. Right. So I'm, I'm seeing it now. I'm looking. Yeah. Wow. So a very weird sequence there. But so that's the last pick of the draft. There was only 58 picks. There was two forfeited picks uh, because uh, the Philadelphia 76ers and Chicago Bulls forfeited a second round pick due to violating rules governing free agent discussions. In other words, they tampered. Uh, they they had uh, conversations at, at poor timing. So. Uh, there, that's why there was not 60 picks. There was 58 picks last night. Also, one or two more draft items for you. So, uh, real briefly, I'm proud of uh, my guy from UAB, Jelly Walker. He's going to Dallas. 
Uh, I hope he makes the team. It's an Exhibit 10 contract, I believe, so that means it's the opportunity to play a certain amount of time in the NBA but not guaranteed money and can also float between G League and that sort of thing. Can right. be converted to a two-way contract easily if they want to. So hopefully Jilly Walker can do that for Dallas. I'll be rooting, rooting for him hard. And then also for Auburn, Wendell Green Jr., he's going to play summer league with the Cleveland Cavaliers. There's no... Uh, contract guarantee to my knowledge any two-way contract that sort of thing he will have to play his way onto a team and into a training camp but if you're looking for Wendell Green Jr. this summer he will be playing summer league with the Cleveland Cavaliers and again there's not really I I don't even want to go down the roster conversation again with Cleveland we've kind of had it with Isaac Okoro uh, and it's Wendell just needs to make the roster, period. He's going going to be vying for the 12th, 13th, 14th yeah. roster spot, so it's not really pertinent to their rotation right now. Just trying to make a team and make a two-way deal. And right. when you're in the summer league, you're also not married to that organization yet. So if you play really well, someone else can come and sign you yep. to a two-way contract. So sure. he might not make the cut for Cleveland, but then let's just yeah. throw Utah you're, on you're it. You're just Utah. Playing, you're playing to get a contract right. from anybody you, that's right. willing to Utah would be like, contract. oh no, we like that. We want you yeah. uh, as a two-way guy. Yeah, for have sure. some G League and, and NBA time. So well, that I mean, if he if he gets a, a two-way contract, I would consider that a, a, a win. an absolute success. Yes. Um, I wonder. I wonder if. Um, Sharif is going to play G League or play Summer League this year. I'm not, I mean, I know, you know, it's probably like what is third ish year around the league, maybe fourth year entering the fourth year in the league. Um, you know, whether it be in the two way, whether it be, um, in I guess it'd be his third year. His third, yeah, because he, he was he on was the two 21 with the Auburn team, the okay, 2020, 20, the 20 slash 21 Auburn right, team, right? Okay, that was not good. And then the very next Drafted Auburn team 20, was the yeah. was the Jabari and Kessler okay. team. So, so yeah, yeah, he should be third year. Yeah, so third year, um, kind of was spent that first year and a half with the Hawks, and then second year, um, got that is is getting this two way with the uh, with the Cavaliers and theirs. I mean, he's been playing insane in the G League. Yeah. Um just has not been able to kind of get back into the NBA. I think he'd be useful on a roster. It's just that size. He's just so small. I think that's the true um thing, true issue, but I, I if you know, if Wendell can play and play well and and have a career even just close to where Sharif is right now, I think that's a win for for Wendell. I do. I think yeah. that's a win. Yeah, Sharif has been a very good G League player. Obviously, that's not the goal for all these guys. But, you know, he's, Sharif still has like another year or two of opportunity. Yeah. If he gets into so. his mid 20s, then he's not going to be an NBA guy. But no. if he finds a jump shot, which it's still, it's just not looking like it's on track to do that, he's still been struggling. Uh, from from jumpers, he scored he a lot. So but, well, sure, but again, I, I'm just that's I know I, I know, but the, the NBA wants to see that, and I yeah. know he's a great passer. I know there's some things that I certainly really like about him too. Has but, some intangibles. But it, if you if you are looking at his current game and you're yeah. saying, well, that's not enough for other teams, then what's got to happen for other teams? And that jump shot's got to got to come on at some point. Uh, so so Sharif, I, I would think he'd be on a summer league team again. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, yeah, I think he'd be on the Cavs summer league team. Yeah, and I don't know how that works with G League contracts. Yeah. And admittedly, I know a lot of NBA salary cap stuff and all the right. contract stuff, but I don't know if a G League deal locks you into having to play for that team or if it's just like kind of you have build up a good relationship. So if anyone's going to 
give you a shot. It's going to be a team that's familiar with you maybe. I don't know. I don't yeah. know exactly how the G League into right. the Summer League uh, works. But, but yeah, it's possible that uh, Cooper and Wendell Green Jr. will be both on the Cavs uh, Summer League team. But we do know Wendell Green Jr. will be on the Summer League team uh, coming up in just a few weeks. Summer League does not uh, – Summer League does not wait around. They, they get on that pretty soon. Uh, all right, so before we take our next break, want to break down one or two last NBA items, and we'll move on from, from NBA from the day. Um, I, I think that uh, we got to talk about these three trades that shaped – they did affect the draft in some ways with picks, but, but also affect the league. The three trades being the Bradley Beal to Phoenix – the Chris Stapps, Porzingis to Boston, and in that was a three-team trade. Marcus Smart to uh, Memphis, Tyus Jones to Washington, and then yesterday another one where the Warriors sent Jordan Poole to Washington and bring brought in uh, someone that, if you ask six or seven years ago, just would have never ended up in Golden State in no. any way because he was an arch nemesis, Chris Paul, uh, to the Warriors. So uh, three trades there. Look. My first thought whenever I hear a trade is I, I've been on this pathway of thinking about some negative things because I'm I'm doing too much of the thing that I hate where it's like, well, there's only gonna be one winner and does this beat does that beat the one team right, that I, right. I hold up against? Well, I don't know if it's <laughs> it's about that, but it's also like, okay, I'm not one of those guys that thinks everything outside of the title is a failure. Mm-hmm. I'm not. And some no, people are I, you and, can't. If you think that way, it's so one track it's hard to enjoy it's hard um and and i think that now granted there are clearly moves that are made and these three teams can kind of all be under this category of they are championship contenders they are doing these things not to be good in two or three years but to try to win the title the next season and in some form or fashion it will be disappointing if they don't do that but at the same time it's like well as a neutral person I'm really going to enjoy watching the Suns play basketball. I don't know if it'll end up being a title, but Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, and Kevin Durant is a collection of three incredibly talented offensive players that I think on some level will fit. I'm not saying it will be a seamless fit, but Kevin Durant usually fits into whatever whatever makeup of guys he, he, he plays with. Yeah. If he can fit with Kyrie Irving and James Harden at the same time, yeah. he will fit with these two guys. Absolutely. The, the bigger question might be around Beal. Because he is used to being the number one guy in Washington, jacking up a bunch of shots, not really playing winning basketball. He's going to have to get more efficient. Yes, and he's going to have to do a lot more catch and shoot because, as I've heard the point be made, if he's playing around with the basketball and he's isolating and he's doing this stuff, that's your third best thing that you do. Because your best things that you do are Devin Booker doing yeah. that and Kevin Durant doing that. Yeah. So what Bradley Beal's going to have to start doing more of is shooting threes off the catch and and that sort of thing. So uh, question to you is where do you put the Suns in terms of championship contention? Now, did it change their equation significantly? And then do either of these other moves, the Porzingis into Boston, the Smart into Memphis, and the Paul into Golden State, do any does any of that really pique your interest in terms of changing someone's destiny? So they're all interesting to me in a little bit of different ways. Um, you know, when thinking about the Suns, it's it's great that they have these three guys. They're going extremely top heavy, so they now have no depth. Um, it, that's you. You really just when you're thinking about it, when you when you are building a championship roster, the usual thing is you need depth to 
create that longevity into the postseason because sometimes your stars don't have it. And those those role players are crucial. I mean, just in general, thinking like with the Nuggets, like their their role players, Christian Brown, you know, had a had a game where he kind of broke out, uh, played, got fifteen points in the finals. Uh, Bruce Brown does intangible things. Guys like that, um, you know, really complete the makeup of your, of your roster. So I think that's my only concern with the Suns. I do think that they're gonna compete for a title. It's just a matter of, you know are these three stars going to be able to carry the load for the entirety of the season plus the postseason, uh, which is a grind. I mean, everybody, once they get to the postseason, really turns it up a notch. Are they? I, I, I know Kevin Durant's going to be able to do that. You know, I know Devin Booker's going to be able to do that. I think Bradley Beal's going to be able to do that. It's just going to be tough sustaining that level of play, um, especially in a really tough Western Conference if they're going to be able to sustain that level of play throughout a, uh, uh, throughout multiple series to win a championship. I wonder, you know, if they're going to be able to do that. Um, with Boston, I do I, I still think they're, you know, one of the best teams in the East. Um, when you have Tatum and Brown, I think they have solid defense. I think a full year with Joe Missoula, um, with you know, they had some slight dysfunction. He had some kind of coaching gaffes. The team kind of got a little lackadaisical at times, um, and, and kind of played with their played with their food in terms of, of teams in the playoffs. Um so I think they just had some some distraction and discipline issues. Uh, I think this, you know, a full off season under Joe Missoula would really do some wonders. I think that they'll end up being fine um, and and return back to the top of the Eastern Conference like they uh, have been the past like four or five odd years or whatever. Um, so I I think the the Christop, the addition of Kristaps Porzingis does. Um, you know, help them. Uh, he's a really talented player. He, he'll play solid defense and, and a good rim protector. Um, they'll be able to continue to play their five-out offense like they do, uh, and I, I think that they'll they'll be perfectly fine. I, I don't see I, – I mean, they're just getting stronger, in my opinion. The loss of Marcus Smart, you know, I told you, Ryan, we had this conversation. Marcus Smart put up a lot of shots, and we were kind of like, eh, I don't know if Marcus Smart needs to be shooting that many shots. Well, I think with Kristaps Porzingis, he's such an efficient player. Um, you'll be able to kind of he'll be able to naturally fall into that third score role, that one, two, three uh, hierarchy. He'll be able to fall into that third role and really be just perfectly fine. Uh, I, I I'm not really worried about what he has going on. Um, and then you know with Memphis. I said I think that's an upgrade for to add Marcus Smart. Basically, you're essentially replacing Marcus Smart with, um, or you're replacing Dylan Brooks with Marcus Smart, and I think that's an upgrade. You're getting a Defensive Player of the Year um, winner, uh, and you're also getting you're getting uh, uh, somebody who can shoot some threes pretty well. Not as and not not incredibly more efficient than um, Dylan Brooks, but I think the the true real defensive prowess makes up for that and he does shoot the three at a little bit better of a percentage so it's not near as bad i think he'll be fine next to john moran obviously uh they're not gonna have jaw for the first 25 games so um they're gonna have to figure out what what this team looks like for 25 games without him uh, at the beginning of the season um and then with golden state 
Um, I, I don't mind the Chris Paul move. Um, I think they really offloaded Jordan Poole's salary so that they were able to pay um, Draymond so that they're going to be able to kind of really get Draymond's contract locked in and so they can keep him in Golden State um, in, a, in a Warriors uniform, so make him essentially a lifer. Um, and then um, have Chris Paul uh, come off the bench, um, you know, He's not the same player as he was these, you know, a few years back. He's just hard for him to stay healthy, uh, keep him at limited minutes, and you know, I think that'll work wonders for for the Warriors overall. Which you you've already said that, Ryan, uh, when we have our when we had our conversation off air. So it's um, you know, overall, it, these are all good trades. These help these teams significantly. And then with Washington getting Jordan Poole, uh, you know, I already kind of mentioned that Washington has something. They have something now. They have a young core that they can really work with and rebuild. Now that they're off of the Beal contract, they'll be able to to do what they need to do and and use draft picks and um, create a, and and build a team that. Uh, can become successful and and they've kind of now uh, solidified themselves with something decent. Uh, they'll be bad for a few years as most young teams are, but uh, they'll be able to build through the draft and still be able to com- um, compete and, and let these young guys get get their feet wet and get comfortable in the league. And then maybe we'll be talking about the Washington Wizards and and you know five ish six ish years that they could be a a solid um franchise in the east so yeah it'll it'll it's something to uh all of these teams did something and made moves that made sense in my opinion there's a great question i could ask and maybe if we get justin ferguson on the show next week because he he likes the warriors but he's on twitter he hates this move and yeah threatening not to buy the league pass i'm going to try and talk him off the cliff if uh, <laughs> if uh, we get to talk to him a little bit uh but there's going to be a direct correlation to warriors fans enjoyment next year on pull points per game and paul missed games oh god so this is going to be correlating yeah. towards frustration but i do want to say about each of these situations i i unlike minnesota's trade of gobert last year I, I see what everyone's like trying to do this time. Yeah, I I, I, I see what everyone's trying to do. I don't necessarily agree with every single part of it. As I've told you, we've had all these conversations off air. I don't know if Memphis will work because I don't like Smart's lack of awareness to not try to take shots at right. the end of games, For like sure. especially when they're going to have Morant ideally. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain. Yeah. I would all prefer those guys to be taking important shots right. than than him. But they're trying. They understand Morant's not a good defender. They understand that Dylan Brooks was maybe a worse version of Marcus Smart offensively, where he took even yeah. more shots. And so I see what they're doing. I also think though that maybe they've undervalued Tyus Jones because he led the yeah. NBA in assist to turnover ratio. He Tyus Jones, now granted, he's never played the thirty five minutes game. He's always been high teens, mid twenties. But Tyus Jones in his career in the NBA has never averaged one full turnover a year. Not one such time. A, it's been point nine or less. Good point guard every man. single year. So he does not make mistakes. He's he a, a he runs your offense very well. Yeah. So I respect Tyus Jones for that. Boston, I think it's interesting because you know that you're building around Tatum and Brown. You know that's your two. You're trying to do something different. Porzingis is going to be a great offensive third option. Yeah. Al Horford's about out of juice. It's just time. And Grant Williams has his limitations. Robert Williams has his limitations. Yeah, and Robert Williams can't stay on the court. Nope. So that, I think, is a nice ad for them. And Quite frankly, I like Derek White better 
than Marcus Smart. Yeah, and if I do Malcolm as well. Brogdon's not absolutely in in a hospital because right. of injury, then I like him more also, healthy than than Marcus Smart. Both of them so, better at the point guard position, in so my opinion. I get the idea. I like that. With Phoenix, you're absolutely right. I will worry about death or depth. Excuse me. Well, we always death. worry about death, but, but uh, I will worry about the depth, and I will hope that Phoenix does not have one injury because if Bradley Beal gets hurt for the eighth time or Durant for the sixth time, then they're in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, they're, they, they're they would be. That will be a a cavernous difference in their team. Uh, if they lose one or even t- or two of those guys, especially uh, <laughs> because then they'll be working on depth. And do they trade eight in this offseason to get two decent players instead of one player? That's an interesting conversation. And then for Golden State, look, I get it long term. This is not a long term move. Paul will be in the league 10 to 12 more years. Chris Paul will be in the league 12 more months, <laughs> you know, maybe 24 more months, more, maybe two maybe. more years. Uh, and so this is a play to win one more title with this core. But you know what? When you have four titles and you have a Hall of Fame core, you owe it to yourselves to do this one more time. That's why the Lakers keep throwing things at the wall, trying to get them to stick. And they almost did it last year to try and get one more title with a LeBron AD tandem. Like like you owe it to the top players of all time and, and top players this generation to give it a go when they're still within go range and like all these guys again i I went through it seth curry still averaged 30 a game in the playoffs last year clay thompson averaged like 28 29 for the season clay thompson hit the most threes he's ever hit in the regular season draymond green got first team all defense votes like they're still they may not be the absolute best best versions of themselves but they're not far off so when you have wiggins can you get 20 minutes a game out of chris paul you're not asking to do prime chris paul i think people are missing that point what they're saying is in the 20 to 25 minutes that curry's either not in the core or not as active can you get chris paul to run the ship better than jordan Poole ran the ship and i think the answer to that is yes because chris paul that's all he's ever done is run the offense very effectively yep. and by the way even though paul's all you're like well, what's he gonna do on defense well it's not gonna be worse than jordan Poole because jordan Poole gets lost in a headlight has no fil- no physicality doesn't care half the time so yeah. i think that warriors fans are are really hating the idea of this more because it's chris paul and because he was an arch nemesis number two for like 10 years behind maybe like harden but maybe even paul was worse for some warriors people i don't know so I think it's just that part of it. It's not actually from a basketball sense. It's it, it's not it, it does not lack sense. It, it does make some sense. Uh, and then the salary part of it too is that they will save money off the luxury tax in the coming years because of this, which will help them pay Draymond Green and yeah. Clay Thompson. I will tell you the last thing before we go to break is if they do not resign for some reason, and it will not be of their own choice, but if for some reason Draymond Green walks, then this trade will look like an abject failure, and it'll make it a lot worse because. They really need to sign Draymond Green. Right. Part of the appeal to this, too, is that Draymond Green and Jordan Poole, after that punch, even though it's 100% Draymond Green's fault, yeah. they're still rocking with him, and they should, by the way. Yeah, um, for sure. And, and, but they're basically admitting that those two guys can no longer coexist. No. And sometimes that happens in sports and in locker rooms. To Poole's credit, he was a great pro last year. He played every single game, played yeah. all 82, and he did his job in a lot of in a lot of ways. It's just the postseason went poor, and there was a chemistry thing that clearly was not repaired. So I think that's all the angles to it. That being said, Nuggets are probably still coming in the year as the title favorite right now. we got to see how the Suns build a roster, how the Celtics build a roster. Maybe to some degree if Golden State can build a roster. But I think that – and the Lakers, by the way, and the Lakers. Uh, but I think Denver's still the title favorite. We'll see, though. But that's why we love the NBA offseason so much 
can happen from it. We're going to take our, our first time out here of hour number two and our only time out of hour number two. Back with more Sports Call right after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call on this Friday. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry with you here. We're now going to go back to our Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing today? Uh, couldn't be better, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well, sir. Good. Um, before I go any further, I want to make a just brief comment, um, especially following the, uh, the, the the tragedy yesterday of those people who lost their lives uh, in the uh, submersible. Uh, and it kind of reminded me that, you know, sometimes we uh, overlook and take for granted uh, things in life that should matter and things that uh, really don't matter, like sports. Uh, and one of those things that came to my mind is that you guys, you this radio show, you guys are uh, part of that make that radio show matter. And I don't know that I've really let you guys know how uh, much I appreciate it, especially during the pandemic when there was nothing going on. And for my own sanity, I would call you guys every day uh, and we'd talk about, you know, all kind of trivia. So I just want to let you know how much this show has meant uh, to me uh, and I just uh, did not want that uh, to to go uh, unsaid. Well, we really appreciate that, Steve, Steve. And we appreciate you calling in every day and listening to us. Well, I appreciate you put up with me. So, uh, having said that, guys, I didn't watch the draft last night, but I um, saw some uh, video clips. Did you guys watch the entire uh, draft? Yeah, I I watched uh, really the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I watched. I would say I watched about eighty percent of it. Okay, so uh, Bleach Report sends me their email, so I wanted to run this stuff by you. First, I don't know. I haven't read it. They didn't say how much did Mister Victor get uh, from the Spurs. I think a rookie contract's about ten or eleven million a year uh, right now. Uh, there's not really a signing bonus that I'm aware of, but it's like a four-year, forty-something million-dollar deal somewhere in there, maybe four for fifty. Okay, so there is no upfront money then. No, but but NBA contracts are unlike S- NFL contracts, where they're really kind of all guaranteed. Yeah. Okay, but they didn't announce. No. Uh, exactly. No, I don't think they really announced the numbers like yeah. that. It's 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 different from the NFL. It's just yeah. it's not really as big. Okay, I saw some Ray you said rookies can get anywhere between two to twelve million, uh, depending on you know where they're drafted. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's guy, it's all slotted. Yeah, yeah, it's all slotted based on where they're drafted. There's really no negotiation. Yeah. Okay, so if he gets injured, he guaranteed, gets, still gets it. Yep. Okay. All right. Then Bleach Reports puts this uh, information up. I want to ask you about this, guys. Apparently, the Cavaliers selected 
Imani Bates, is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, uh, Imani Bates. Yeah. Yeah, as number 49 pick. But they said on here he was uh, at one time the number one player. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Bates was extremely highly a highly touted player. I'm pretty sure he was the number one player in his class or top ten. Yeah, he was very high. Yeah, he was one of the highest players in his class when he uh, when he was initially playing at Memphis last year um, and kind of struggled and then ended up coming back to uh, his home area of Eastern Michigan and playing uh, playing there. And, and um, yeah, but he, he was uh, an extremely, extremely t- – he he's been – followed i've known about Imoni bates since he was like 14 um so did was he a steal yeah i mean he uh, had he had some real problems yeah. in college and and so he i mean struggled it, it this has happened a few times for sure with top level guys i mean he he has a high ceiling yeah. but obviously it's been worrisome what the how he played in college. Yeah, he did better at Eastern Michigan than he did at Memphis, uh, especially from a scoring standpoint. But um, he has he has tremendous upside. That's really at this point where he was his expectations are. All right, then educate me about this person because this from Bleach Report, uh, Cam Whitmore. Uh, they said he fell from grace. He was supposed to be a lottery lock, and bam, he went from a number eight pick they said to number twenty pick. And I couldn't believe the, the difference here. A number eight pick, they said, cost him millions in salary. Four years, if he had been a number eight pick like they thought he would be, was going to net him $27.5 million. His number, number 20 pick, this is four years, is only worth $15.6 million. What happened, guys? Uh, tell me, he's a Villanova guard, right? Right. And there were rep- so the reports were that he – uh, did not take his workouts very seriously. That he did not, um, he just did not have any sort of uh, extra gear there, and that uh, the interviews weren't great, and just seemed like a, a guy that wasn't very focused and wasn't wasn't kind of doing everything uh, required and, and, and going above and beyond. So it seemed like more of a, a an attitude slash effort thing in the draft process. And nobody, his parents, over no responsible adults said. Hey man, uh, if you get picked less than a number eight pick, this is how much money you're going to lose. No one said that to him, but maybe. I I, I don't know. I don't know. Wow, I didn't know that was that, that big of a drop. I mean, that's that's, uh, that's a big drop there. Okay, yeah, how do they come up with these numbers, guys? A Bleach Report. Do they know for sure that's what? How much he lost? Yeah, because it's yeah, like they, a collectively bargained. Uh, it's in the collective bargaining agreement, like like how much a rookie will make. Uh, it's a rookie slot, so basically your slotted salary depending on where you get drafted. Okay. All right. Well, let's go to last night's game, guys. For me, and I was pulling for you know Wake Forest. That was a heartbreaker. Sure. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, I thought they had so many chances waiting for us in, in, you know, in extra innings. Uh, but that was a heck of a play by that. Uh, I don't know what the guy's first baseman is with uh, the blonde hair who threw that uh, trying uh, on that you know, bunt. Yeah. The run. Yeah. Yep. That was unbelievable. Yep. In the eighth inning, yeah, and it then, was. And then, as Tom reminds me quite often, crap happens. Well, they 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 change pitchers, right? Uh, the the coach for Wake Forest and puts in what they were saying on ESPN. Was their number one closer? Is is, is that right? I, I'm not sure. I wasn't. I wasn't watching at that at that moment. Well, they. I think that's what they said. He's their best, or or supposedly their best closer. He goes in the first pitch. Bam! It's out of there. Home run. 
Right. Yeah, but, but also it's not like – I mean, he was facing Tommy White, who's a great hitter too. So, I mean, it's not – I mean, I know that this guy was, was probably great too, but, I mean, it was mano a mano. Well, you know, uh, if anybody I thought was going to do him in was going to be the, the guy that they said was going to be like a lock, uh, number one player for LSU, what's his name, Drew or something? Uh, Dylan Cruz. Dylan Cruz, yeah. But he, they, he struck out uh, twice uh, in extra innings. And then this guy comes up and does it. Uh, to me, it's 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 a heartbreak. This, you know, obviously it's pulling for Wake Forest, but you know I'd love to see both these teams play each other in the World Series, but obviously it can't happen. Yeah, I mean not in the final so, series, but Florida's worthy to be there too. Uh, so, guys, who do you think is going to take it? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I I really don't know. Um, I feel like Ellis. Right. I'm leaning Florida right now. Yeah, I don't have. They're more I don't, rested, aren't they? Yes, they are more rested. That's, that's kind of why. But then I've heard some people say, "Well, if you are more rested, you might be a little bit rustier than the right. team that's been playing." Potentially, potentially, and I mean, and, I mean, top to bottom, roster wise, LSU is is the more talented team, but Florida does have plenty of talent themselves. Well, all I know is they. I thought they were going to finally run up. Uh, you know, pitchers for LSU, but I mean, zero to zero. I mean, what what a game! What a game! Yeah. I mean, uh, nobody can get hits. Very rare in college baseball to have a low scoring game like that. Yeah, they said I think since nineteen was it eighty five or something, it went this far with no hits. I mean, no, no scoring, runs. No yeah. runs. All right, moving on real quickly, guys. Let's go to Auburn. Uh, I saw here that Mr. Wintergreen Jr. is going to be playing the summer league with the Cavaliers. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Does that mean that the Cavaliers have an interest in him? Uh, for sure. Uh, there's definitely no guarantees, though. He'll need to play well in the summer league, practice well, and, and do all the little things. With that, guys, do you think Auburn will produce an NBA draft pick next year? Next year? You know, that would be a good question. Obviously, Janai Broom would be a candidate for that, but also uh, Aiden Holloway would yeah. be a, a big-time candidate for that uh, if he works out as, as hope. So, uh, it'll depend on, on those two, the development of Broom and then uh, with Hallway. I, I don't really see, uh, you know, maybe Denver Jones, if he has another big scoring year, could be like a second-round pick, late first type of guy. I don't know what the mock would say about him right now, but I think Hallway or Broom would be the two most likely outcomes. Okay. And Mr. Kerryon Johnson, I saw that he is going to be uh, on the UNA uh, football staff. Is that right? I believe so. Director mm-hmm. of uh, player player, opera- yeah, player opera- development, yep. something like Op- that. Yeah. Operation, yeah, something like that. Okay, well, I uh, wish him the best. And finally, guys, I saw on the, uh, I guess uh, you have the, the banner, uh, that Mr. Will Wade is going to be suspended uh, for 10 games starting uh, the new season. But what I didn't see is this, guys, unless I overlooked it, did he get no fine? I know he gets all two years of show cause, but no fine, no monetary penalty? Not that I'm aware of. What do you think about that, guys? I mean, I thought he'd be fine for the shenanigans that he tried to pull off. Yeah, I mean, again, the fines, those are usually more university level. I'm not saying they can't happen with individuals and that sort of thing, but those are usually school-oriented. Um, and And part of it, too, is like if he can't get a bigger job, I mean, that's – uh, a de facto fine because you're not going to get paid a lot at McNeese State compared to a, a big school. So, I uh, again, I've not heard as frequent fines for individuals with in, violating NCAA rules as I've heard with, with schools. 
Well, you're welcome to, to, to give me a rebuttal. But, you know, it almost seems like there was a slap on the wrist, uh, like no worse than, you know, what well, was given to, uh, to Bruce Pearl for lying about a recruit being at a barbecue. And this guy was caught on tape trying to actually pay somebody uh, to, to come to LSU. Uh, but tell me, guys, do you think that was sufficient, the penalties that were given out to Will Wade, or, or do you side with me? It was a slap on the wrist. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, they—they're obviously with the, the show cost thing is weird because usually you don't have a job when you get the show cost deal, and he's allowed to keep that job. So it kind of feels different because he's still getting the coach in some capacity, but he can't move uh, with this show cause. And so for that part of it, that's just that's because the NCAA dragged their feet too much and. Uh, I think that obviously being suspended ten games, not a whole year, so it's not a huge deal there. Uh, I could have, I could have gone for something a little bit more uh, punishment heavy. Uh, I, I think a lot of people would have been okay with that, but again, I, I'm not, I'm not going to shake and ring fist over it. Okay, then I won't either. All right, guys, thank you for your time. Uh, I'm, I'm always appreciative of uh, you letting me come on here and. Uh, Sometimes makes sense, sometimes maybe make no sense. With that said, uh, you guys are appreciated, and uh, I wish uh, I could uh, mail you a check. Uh, I'm not that wealthy a person, so I hope management is listening because they need to they need to recognize that you guys are, are an asset uh, to, to to the show. And without you guys, gee, um, uh, I might have to take some heavy medications. So with that said, guys, you have a safe afternoon and a uh, really uh, enjoyable, relaxing weekend. And we'll uh, do this again on Monday. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve, we appreciate you for calling in each and every day and hope you have a great weekend, too, sir. That is Retired Word AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We are out of time for hour number two. Still ahead in hour number three, Sports Calls Player of the Week and what to watch for over the weekend and that interview with Ryan Priest from earlier this week. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after this. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan Lavoy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday as uh, starting to count down the minutes to another weekend. You okay over there, Sport? I am. You just looked like you had a 
great grin on your face. I, I do, but it'll have to it'll have to wait till we're in back in commercial break. Okay. All right. Well, uh, coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to replay the interview from earlier this week with NASCAR Cup Series driver Ryan Priest. But before we do that. Let's tell you about this week's Player of the Week. Braves center fielder Michael Harris II is Sports Call's Player of the Week. The reigning Rookie of the Year helped the Braves continue their outstanding month, logging 15 hits and 28 at-bats over the past seven days with three home runs and nine RBIs. The Braves won six of those seven games and now hold a five-and-a-half game lead on the second-place Marlins in the NL East. Michael Harris II is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Money Mike Harris, this week's player of the week, had a huge week. That average has soared nearly 100 points in the last Beautiful. few weeks after being in the 160s, now right around 250. And uh, Michael has been a very important part of solidifying the bottom of the Braves order. Really, the whole order has gotten hot. I don't know if any one spot has absolutely had to have it type of deal because the Braves have been clicking on all cylinders, but... Uh, Harris, a guy in his second year in the league, he got a, a nice contract in the offseason, went ahead and locked him up for, I think it was a seven-year, like $84 yeah. million dollar deal, something, something in there. Like that, yeah. And, of course, you know, that only buys two years of free agency. We get a little wrapped up in what that actually does, and you get six years of team control, so they would have had him for five. Now they would have had to go through arbitration towards the end of it, and maybe he makes more than 12, maybe he makes less for a while. So there's there's all of that, and then you guarantee two years of free agency, so you basically get him through the uh, entirety of his 20s. But uh, this guy is nice to see him refigure it out, go into the opposite field a lot. It always feels like with hitters when they – start to go the opposite way they're, they're locked in and and he started to do that a couple weeks ago and hit a home run left center hit a double left center and he's he's been awesome ever since yeah um he you know he was struggling early in the season and uh kind of had the injury the batting average was low but now that he's kind of come back and <clears throat> really found his groove um like you said, Ryan, he's really solidified the bottom of that lineup. And now the Braves, if they can just if, – if the Braves can get these pitchers healthy, because they are – I think they're the, they're really the best team in baseball. I know the Rays are really, really freaking good. But the Braves are still doing this and continuing winning. And, and they don't have many pitchers. They just – I mean, when it comes to starting pitching, relief pitching, they are finding ways to piece together wins um, – by all means necessary. I mean, even even yesterday against the Phillies, you're getting you put up a five spot in the I think it was the tenth inning. Um, I mean, you know, finally figuring out ways to get hits um, after struggling throughout the entirety of the game, um, and so it's it's different. They're finding different ways to win. They've got a win streak now. The the Braves do facing a really tough Reds team. Um, and yeah, Michael Harris has, has finally seemed to have seen the light and let's hope that he continues that. I'll tell you what, the Braves could win these games a little more, uh, convincingly, not have to quote <laughs> piece to other things that they work on hitting more than their hand dances. <laughs> I was about to say, Brooks, anything interesting happened with the Braves this week? Uh, just, just hand dances. <laughs> oh man. If you, uh, do you want to explain to the listening audience? If, if you haven't seen it, go online and find the uh, the call. Oh, it was the Phillies radio the team doing uh, the game yesterday. It was the it was on the Ozuna home run, and you know every single time Ozuna, you know the Braves hit a home run, they've got some sort of handshake with. Uh, Ron Washington coming around third, and it just so happens that Ozuna, it stopped. He, he stops right there next to to Wash, and you know 
hit, you know, they, they smack hands a couple times and he keeps going. It, it, it literally takes two seconds. Doesn't, it's not this big pause where he's like sitting down making a picnic or something there. <laughs> but the, the Phillies guys lost their minds and called. And the, the fact that you call Ron Washington classless yeah. in that, like, you, yeah, first off, you know, a, a Phillies, of someone from the, the a Philadelphia sports franchise calling somebody <laughs> classless is fun. Um, calling the kettle black. Yeah, but. It, the 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 same town that booed Santa Claus, you know, uh, just you know, sure. Uh, but yeah, if, if you haven't seen that video, if and if you're a Braves fan, it it just warms your heart, and it just you know, you're like, well, you know, it, it it's on the same lines as the the Pete Alonso throw it again, please throw it again, and you know, it, it's you. I can guarantee you that if that had been uh, Alec uh, Alec Bohm or or Bryce Harper doing that down the third base line, yeah, they wouldn't yeah. have, they, oh, that's so clever. Look at those handshakes. <laughs> the Phillies are up five to nothing. But no, it's the Braves, and they're they're leading the division, and what the Phillies are, what, ten and a half back or something like that? More it's than double that. digits now. Um, they're, they're, it's they're the anger that protrudes when you, you realize you're down double digits. And games. you've got a huge yeah. contract, and your left fielder is, you know, trash, uh, you know, <laughs> oh no! Um, that that's that's what happens. But yeah, Michael Harris has uh, came on last week. Uh, was really really good. This is the second week in a row of Braves players once uh, player of the week, and we're going to get into a probably a pattern of that this summer because there's not a lot of other stuff going on. But you know, over 27 at bats he had last week in the in between the the Tigers and the Rockies series. He had eight runs scored, 15 hits, non RBIs. Just he was he's he's really turned it on. And it what was funny was, uh, I believe it was a couple weeks ago, Ryan, uh, me and you got the opportunity to go up to the Braves Sunday game versus the Nationals for affiliate day. Yep. And one of the questions that uh, there was a Q&A with the Braves radio staff, and one of the questions that one of the other affiliates asked was, what's going to get Michael Harris out of the slump? And it yeah. ba- that question was it. Yeah. That question was it because he's turned it around since about that time. He had yeah. started to turn it around right before then, but it was it was right after that that day that it was like boom, he's here. There was a report that Marcel Azuna had gone to Michael Harris at, for like a pep talk. Yeah, yeah. And, and and tried to because uh, again, like, I wanted more, to remind him that he's r- him. Right. <laughs> more more stuff has come out like how good of a actual clubhouse guy Azuna is, and for the next ten games, Harris hit five hundred. Yeah. Yeah. For the next ten games, yeah. what what did Azuna say? Ozuna, like you're you're Harris from yeah. the Braves. Azuna was like, like, I just he I remember uh, he said something. He said a direct quote. He's like, I just talked to him and reminded him that he's the best center fielder in the game, and was like you're him you're just <laughs> you're you're a really good baseball player i the, the only thing that i could imagine is if you've ever seen the movie the green mile you know the 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 main char- one of the main characters his his power in there is to suck the the bad and evil out of somebody it's the ozuna did that but it was give him his may powers <laughs> yeah. this is what i had in may it is your turn <laughs> oh man it's just it's fun when it's clicking on stillers and again look all all, all teams have injuries, but the Braves have not been exempt for that. It's important to remember, as you guys were saying, the Max Freed bit, who's still just trying to throw right now. Kyle Wright, who's been out. Uh, you know, they've had some bullpen guys. You know, Iglesias has been healthy since since the start of the year. 
Uh, so they've relative health. Chavez is out right now. So again, like it's touch and go, and every team's going to have one or two of those in the bullpen. But uh, to have two of your top four starters uh, coming into this year, really two of your top three starters coming into this year, be out for this period of time. And there was that stat where their starters ERA was over six for, until these last couple of days here in June, and they've lost like three times in June. Me and Brooks were there for one of them, so we apologize. Yeah. We did see a Matt don't, Olson tank. Don't but, let us go to the game again. Right. Right, but uh, they they have been tremendous. The Marlins have been pretty solid. Like the Marlins should not feel bad about where they are, but yet they're I think six back just because the Braves just keep winning. It sets up a fascinating series tonight uh, or this weekend in Cincinnati. I I don't have I didn't have the Reds being an incredible series on the bingo nah. card, but they've won eleven in a row since yeah. De La Cruz got called up. It's not exactly. The day he got called up, they then won eleven in a row. But I'm just saying he got called up, and then shortly after, they have been started winning. the yeah. eleven in a row. And so the Reds have now taken the lead in the NL Central, a division that is is hurting right now. But they are now like four or five over five hundred. So this is going to be a fun series uh, in Great American Ballpark. Probably be a lot of home runs. That park is still mm-hmm. one of the better hitting ballparks in the in the league. And if you remember, and if, if folks will remember, the, the Braves hosted the the reds i think it was the first uh we one of the first series because you had the padres coming to town and then it was the reds the braves have already swept the reds once this year okay and so now you get you get the return trip to to cincy and we'll see and see how obviously they were a different team yeah. at the start of the year but we'll see what happens so the braves already have three up on the on the reds so braves and reds have three this weekend braves and winners of eight straight reds winners of 11 straight we're going to take our first time out here in hour number three, when we come back, we're going to play that Ryan Priest interview for you. They're going to National Super Speedway this weekend. Priest will talk a little bit about his season so far with Stuart Haas Racing and what's ahead. That's ahead next on Sports Call. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy and Brooks Childress with you here, and we're pleased to be joined now on our Auburn Bank phone line by Ryan Priest, the driver of the number 41 Ford Mustang for Stuart Haas Racing. Ryan, the time is greatly appreciated today. How are things in your world? Yes, it's going great. Uh, definitely excited and eager to, to get down to Nashville this weekend. It's a place where I've had a lot of success, so hopefully we can get a third guitar and, and have some some fast forward Mustangs. We're about at the halfway point of the season, and, and of course, this is your first year at Stuart Haas Racing full time. So, uh, how have things been with the new team, and what all have you learned here through the first half of the season? 
Yeah, so we've we've definitely had some ups and and we've had some downs. Uh, March and April were were some rough months. Uh, just some things just couldn't go our way, but we we've gotten a pole and we've led laps and and almost won some race or won a race. So uh, you got to take you got to take some of those goods. And uh, you know, the last three to four weeks, we've we've trended in the right direction and and uh, going to going to one of my favorite tracks this weekend. So. Um, I felt like it was a good warm-up, and we have 10 races. Uh, to race our way into the playoffs, we're only about 60 points out, which in all reality isn't, isn't a whole lot. And, and I feel like uh, you know we can do it. We definitely have the team. We have the right people. We have great sponsors like United Rentals and Morton Buildings, Haas Tooling, uh, Hunt Brothers Pizza. So a lot of great things over here on the 41 team. Um, we just got to put it all together. And Ryan, we'll definitely have a, a question for you about your approach to the, the next few races as we get close to playoff time. But I want to go back to uh, your, your start in racing because we see a lot of guys uh, in, in NASCAR come from a certain footprint. And you're from the state of Connecticut. I know that's where Joey Logano is from. And, and I'll admit, even though I'm a, I'm a big NASCAR guy, I don't know what the racing looks like in Connecticut. So growing up for you, what, what was the racing like in Connecticut and what made you fall in love with the sport? Yeah, so you're missing out, man. It's so raw and pure, and and uh, you know, growing up in Connecticut, we had three local tracks within 35 minutes of where I live. So I spent a lot of uh, a lot of Thursday nights, Friday nights, and and Saturday nights uh, running between uh, Thompson Motor Speedway, uh, Safford Speedway in in Safford, Connecticut, and then in Long Island, New York, there was a track called Riverhead Raceway. So I raced there weekly. Uh, but as well as running the wheel and modified tour, which is a, a open wheel, 2,600 pound, 15 inch wide tire, you know, 700 horsepower race car, uh, up and down the East coast. So I, uh, I primarily stayed on the East coast, but it's, uh, I loved the racing up there. We had a lot of, a lot of legends or, or, um, you know, local heroes for sure. Like Ted Christopher, uh, Mike Stefanik, Richie Evans, all, all guys that came up from that way. Ryan, you're coming off of something that doesn't happen a lot in the NASCAR schedule, and, and that's a bye week. What, what, what does that look like? What does an off week look like uh, for, for NASCAR, for a Cup Series racing team? Uh, to be honest with you, I didn't really really uh, go on vacation or anything. For me, it was my wife and I stayed home. We have, we have some horses and a donkey and a mini horse, so just taking care of the farm and, and also uh, working on my, my own personal modified um, I just like to work in the race shop. So whether it's, whether it's working on modifieds or, or on street cars or even bouncing back and forth here at the race shop, uh, there's always something to do. And then Ryan, you talked about how much success you've had at Nashville in recent history. What makes, what is it about that track that you think you, it gives you such an upper hand to, to be able to go out there and, and capture so many trophies? Yeah, so to me, it's just an interesting track. It's uh, it's a mile and a half that, to me, drives like a short track. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do when you have to get off the brake or off the gas and use the brake pedal and make the car turn and do all those things. Uh, as a driver, you can you can just sometimes you you have the ability to to change the outcome of how your car may be handling. So, um, yeah, some of those things, and also it's concrete. So it, it, it tends to be temperature sensitive. 
And Ryan, with uh, with the return to Nashville, I guess this is the third straight year back at Nashville. I know this is a place that was closed for a little while, and of course we're not too far removed from the All Star uh, race at North Wilkesboro, where obviously that was closed a lot longer. But what do you think of uh, a decision of NASCAR to go back to in its roots to some sense? I, I know that Nashville was not a part of the Cup schedule uh, when it was operating in the early two thousands, but uh, we, we've seen some revitalization of some of these tracks, and, and, and Nashville also one of them. Yeah, I just think there's, you know, people want, there's a want for your North Wilkesboro's, for your Nashville's, for, for some of these tracks uh, that we haven't gone to in a long time. And, and just doing it that once, once, one time a year and, and the promotion that goes behind it and the excitement that can be brought from it, um, you know, I definitely see it when I, when I come down to Nashville and your fans and, and there's a lot of race fans down there as well as, North Wilkesboro. I mean, I didn't even realize because I grew up in Connecticut how how much people missed that place and and the energy that it brought and it was just it was neat to see. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, there's some other racetracks we can bring back and and kind of head in that direction. And I know it's such a fascinating decision process because you have a limit obviously it's a long season it's the 36 race season but the, that number's not going to change and so there's all these tracks wanting these dates and some places used to have two dates now have one and that sort of thing and i know that there's a lot of different decisions that go into it what kind of input do you as a driver and some of the other drivers have in nascar trying to to go to certain places or uh is that uh you know something that <laughs> that falls on deaf ears at the end of the day like what uh what uh, what kind of input do the drivers have in, in trying to get NASCAR's ear with with certain things they'd like to see on the schedule. Um. Well, to be honest with you, I'm I'm good with uh, you know racing a shopping cart around a you know a Walmart or whatever. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if all of us need to do it. But there are certain types of, of venues that I think us drivers wanna wanna go to and 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 see on the schedule. And a place like North Wilkesboro and those type of racetracks is definitely something that we all tend to tend to agree on wanting to do so hopefully you know for me i feel like if we can go to more tracks like that it would be it would be a win for the fans and a win for the teams and then along those lines i know the schedule has kind of been altered a lot the last few years it feels like the last few years there's been more changes than maybe the previous 10 or 15 years uh, and NASCAR trying a, a lot of different things, including the Chicago street race coming up in a couple of weeks. How, how different, how exciting is that going to be? I know you ran well in a road course uh, the other week at Sonoma. So, so what's that street race going to be like? Yeah, it's exciting. Um, you know, for me, I've never been a part of a street race. I don't really know <laughs> what to expect, but what I will say is it's exciting to see the, the effort that's going into it. And, and even the course. So it's something that, that I feel like I'm very open to and, and, and eager to, to be a part of. And, um, you know, as far as expectations, I don't, I think the big thing for us as drivers is, is trying not to be involved in, in any of the, uh, hit any of the barrier barriers, uh, or, or be involved in some of the stack ups. At least there's practice back now, because I, I know you guys were having to go out the track for a year or two there without any any practice, and uh, I can't imagine how, how difficult that was. But, uh, Ryan, as you look towards these next 10 races and we get towards playoff time, I know I uh, mentioned I think it's like a 60-point gap between you and the cutoff right now. 
Uh, what is the strategy for you and the team going forward? Is it a, a win at all costs, or is it a, a methodical get some stage points here and there and try to work back in that way? What what kind of strategy do you think it'll be the next ten races? Yeah, so for us, it's it's uh, you know if those if those opportunities present themselves to where we can win, I think we have to go for it. If we have to speed those days and and do whatever it takes to win, but on the days where we're not able to. We just we need we need those base hits. We need those uh, get stage points and and top tens and and top fifteens and just try to maximize your days that way because it's been working the past you know th- you know four to four to five weeks and and uh, you know consistency is a, a good foundation and uh, you know obviously we want to turn those thirteenth fifteenth place days where they're good days into into mediocre days talking to Ryan Priest today on Sports Call. A few more for you, Ryan. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the car itself because obviously it's a huge deal whenever uh, there's a new generation of car, and that began last year. Of course, that was a year where you were doing kind of all the series a little bit. So how much of a learning curve is this new car compared to what was run before? And, and just talk about some of the ways in which it's, it's mainly different. Yeah, so there's a lot, a lot of different things about this car. Uh, one being independent rear suspension, um, the wider tire, uh, the aerodynamic side of it, and, and how you cannot run the car sealed off to the ground. Uh, the, the list really goes on and how you have to go about this car. But from a driver's point of view, I like it. I, I enjoy how it tends to be on the looser, what we call looser side. Um, for some of us and and uh i like that trend because man i hate a tight race car yeah it's been it's been fascinating to watch just uh how different racetracks have, have raced differently with the new car i've noticed certainly with the dynamic of, of losing the air it's been very tough to pass at some of these tracks have you have you emphasized qualifying more than in the past because passing has been a little bit more difficult with this car man you've been looking at our notes because that's exactly <laughs> what we're focusing on uh Moving forward, I felt like we've we've done a, a good good job over the past four weeks of, of finding that foundation, that baseline feel during the race. But we we for some reason we struggle for qualifying, trying to trying to get that raw speed. So I know we've we definitely put an emphasis in in trying to qualify better, uh, even if that's 15, 10th to fifteenth right now. Uh, that's about ten to fifteen spots better than than where we've been. And uh, that'll make that climb, uh, that climb forward a lot easier uh, because, you know, usually about halfway, halfway through the race or so, or three quarters of the race or so, we're usually around that 16th to 13th. And if we started there and, and did the same climb, it'd be a lot easier. I'm going to finish with a incredibly generic question that we ask anytime uh, we're talking to a driver for the first time. Again, you probably get this question more than anything, uh, but uh, still got to know though, Ryan, what's your favorite track on the schedule? What's your least favorite track? And it is it is it purely based on results or is there just a certain way that a track runs or a certain style of track that, that you prefer over another? So... That's funny. Um, my favorite track is New Hampshire because I grew up there. Uh, it has nothing to do with the results. It has everything to do with, with my childhood and, and going there and 
you know, being a kid and being a fan of, of racing. Uh, but my other favorite track from performance has always been Martinsville. It's a place that, that I've always seemed to enjoy. Um, but then as far as a track that I don't like, I don't have one. Because I feel like if, if you have a bad attitude or a place that you don't necessarily like going into it, you're probably not going to run well or ever get better there. So uh, I don't have one that I do not like. I just have ones that I feel like we need to continue to try and be better at. That's, a, that's an awesome approach. We, we've definitely heard, and look, in the aggregate, we, we've not obviously not interviewed every driver, but those that we have and, and certainly ones we, we hear on TV, there's a lot of Richmond, and then there's a lot of uh, a lot of restrictor plate racing. So, but uh, love that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> love that attitude from you, Ryan. Uh, we're talking to Ryan Priest today, driver of the number forty one Ford Mustang for Stuart Haas Racing. Ryan, the time has been greatly appreciated today. We wish you well here as you try to make a playoff push, and uh, we hope to talk to you again down the line. Yep, absolutely. Thanks, guys. That is Ryan Priest joining us today on Sports Call. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. Starting to run low on time for the show today and this week. This will be our last segment of the show. Again, appreciate Ryan Priest for joining us earlier in the week. The driver of the number 41 for Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, that was pre-recorded back on Tuesday as uh, they're taking the track right now. Uh, for practice out in Nashville. And with that, let's go ahead and start our What to Watch For Over the Weekend. Sports Calls, What to Watch For Over the Weekend. What to Watch For Over the Weekend. We'll start right there with the NASCAR Cup Series returning after a week off. Race 17 for the Cup Series as they've got 10 more races till the playoffs again. Uh, had Matt Grecky or Greeky on earlier this this week, uh, the GM of National Super Speedway as well, and uh, have a uh, exciting race up in Nashville. It's uh, only the third time the Cup Series has raced there. Two Hendrick Motorsports drivers, Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott, have won the two races there uh, in Nashville for the Ally 400. Ally, of course, is a sponsor of um, of uh, Alex Bowman. And so uh, that'd be a uh, fun deal if he ever uh, wins their ally sponsorship, winning the ally sponsored race. And that has happened before 
uh, and other other sponsors and races. But uh, yeah, Brooks, I mean, 10, 10 races to go here before the playoffs, starting to wind down, starting to get a little more points oriented if you're all these teams. And uh, looking forward to, I think they go 20 straight weeks. I'm not sure that they have another week off. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a fun one this weekend uh, in Nashville, the Nashville Super Speedway, one of the big, one of the bigger uh, tracks on the circuit, and so should be should be a fun fun time at the um, in, in Nashville. And then yeah, we're we're getting as we continue to roll on toward playoff time here later in the summer, we'll hit it, and then most of the fall is the is the NASCAR playoffs, and so we'll have a lot of fun. It, it's it's been a wild one, a lot of a uh, lot of repeat winners this year. And so we'll, you know, we, we can continue to bring you NASCAR coverage throughout the uh, throughout the season here on Sports Call. Talk a little, talk a little racing, uh, and then uh, yeah, it, it. But but this weekend, you know, you, you've got we had Ryan Priest on. He was the winner at last year's Xfinity race up there at um, truck. Oh, was he, he was the truck? truck? Yeah. Oh, I believe it was truck. Yeah. Oh, I thought I when I, I scheduled, I thought he was in the Xfinity, but I, I'm I must have looked. He at ran a few one. of each last year, but I think he was in a truck when he won uh, at Nashville. So, last year. but yep. he's, he's had some success at Nashville anyway. But um, it, it's it was um, but yeah, it was uh, it was it, it, it you know hopefully he has a good showing this weekend, and uh, we'll yeah we'll we'll be tuned in all weekend. I know the trucks go tonight. Yep, uh, you got uh, all three series there, which that doesn't necessarily happen a lot either. Uh, in in uh, in NASCAR, usually there's some uh, maybe there's a week off for one of the series, or another series is in another place, and so uh, that doesn't always uh, always happen. But uh, yeah, no, I think that uh, um, with Priest and getting some experience now, granted the. The, car, the even the Xfinity Series car and the truck obviously are so different than the Cup car now because of the new gen. It is very difficult, but uh, to to really get a lot of experience that's useful for that particular car. But that being said, still you get familiar with a place that you haven't. Most of NASCAR hasn't been to a lot, so that is something that Priest was able to do when he won in the Truck Series last year. Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. College World Series final starts on Saturday. Florida Gators, LSU Tigers, an all-SEC matchup for the national title. Saturday, Sunday, and the if necessary is Monday. Can't believe you've got Florida yeah. uh, for the title. Yeah. But uh, nevertheless, the SEC is going to win it. Exactly. The SEC is going to win it. Uh, great showing for the co- uh, for the conference. Um, what is it? The last like six have featured SEC teams. Yep. Um, and, um, especially, I mean, and then you have Oklahoma that's, that was in there last year, I think it was against Ole Miss and they're going to be in the conference next year. So yeah, the, you know, the SEC is really, uh, really showing in, uh, flexing their muscles should be a good, good game. I, like I said, I, I wish it was kind of a week later so we'd get all of the pitching matchup, like the full scale of, of the pitching ability of these, both of these staffs. But, um, nonetheless, hopefully it, it'll be a good one. Hopefully the, at least the LSU bats might show up and maybe it'll be some high scoring games. We'll see some, some exciting ones like that. So we'll yeah, see. it was surprising. And look, I know that Wake Forest is a great pitcher and we know all about right. schemes talk about him for LSU all year, but still surprising to see zero zero go in the extras. I mean, that is not right. something low hit game. I think yeah. LSU had five hits and, uh, Wake Forest had three. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, again, it's not something we see really at any level of baseball right now. I mean, I, I think that 
even in Major League Baseball, the scoring and the averages yeah. are up just a little bit this year with the the lack of a allowance of a shift. For example, if anyone was watching the Braves right now, like that would have been a double play. What Ozzy Albies just hit it right. hit last year, but you can't play three people on that side of the infield, so it's base hit. The Braves are in business in first. If you're looking for that game, AM twelve thirty WAUD has it for you. Proud affiliate here in Auburn of the Braves Radio Network, but um, you know. Nice you don't see zero zero. You don't see zero zero. And then especially in college baseball, when coming into the college world series, these my numbers are blowing uh, mind blowing. I think I mentioned them a week or two ago, but they're worth repeating. We had already broken the NCAA record for most home runs in a season right. coming into Omaha. Right. Every home run on top of this is is icing on the cake. Sheesh. And they showed a statistic during the Auburn Regional. Uh, so I assume that it's still true at this time. The statistic was that, on average, each team was hitting 1.16 home runs per game. That was not, hey, one point. if you show up to a ballpark, someone will hit a home run. No, that is, if you show up to a baseball game, on average, you will see both team, right. teams hit a home run. Right. Both teams. And so the power in college baseball has been legendary. It has been the top ever. And so... It has been uh, record-breaking, and we'll see if we see more offense. Brooks, do you have a, a team you like more than the other, or are you just excited to watch these two teams duke it out? Well, I love baseball, so I'm just excited to watch them to watch them battle. Big I, I think it. I would lean if you told me to make if I had to make a prediction, I would lean more toward Florida because they're more rested. You're probably going to see their pitchers be a little more, uh, you know. One, is going to be more ready to go. They're going to have a fuller pitching staff, uh, re- more well-rested is what the what I'm looking for. But, you know, you, you watch LSU and you know what power they have in their batting, in their batting order, um, and they got to this point for a reason, and so you can't really count out the Tigers. And so I would lean Florida just because of the rest factor and because you're probably not going to see Skeens until maybe Sunday if there's a must-win situation. They're trying to get him out there. If you get to, a Monday, to that Monday game, you, uh, you may see him for a couple innings. But because you're not, you're definitely not going to have your your starting pit, your best pitcher go a, a normal start. I'd, I'd lean more toward the, that that Florida side of things. But it's going to be a great series no matter what. It will. I, I think it'll go three games. And the only reason I lean towards LSU, it, and you can be, you can, I, I can do this too much, and I can get in trouble for this. But I get the destiny thing going sometimes, <laughs> and. You were LSU was the most talented team. They were the number right. one team for a large portion of this year, really right. until the Auburn series. Yep. After that happened, they fell off Wake Forest, replaced them, and stayed there until this moment. So to me, it says, okay, not only were you the most talented team uh, in the country, you were number one for a large period of time. You're also the team that took down the other de facto number one team. You're the team that took down Wake Forest, and you had to do it twice right. in a row. Uh, back against the wall Gosh. to do it. So it feels like, even though you both teams have a lot of momentum, both teams are playing well, it feels like LSU is back at the very top of their game right now. But I, I don't know. Again, I'm not I'm not strongly convicted by it. Florida will not surprise me at all if they win. They right. were the number two team yep. coming in this tournament. And so I just I lean towards LSU just because I feel like that's a little bit more destiny there going on because it's just been that's been the thing all year long with LSU baseball. Just a couple minutes left here in the show. Time to wrap it up with the nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end. 
but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Heart Cells. For Brooks, what we got? Yeah, well, we got some movies for you this evening. Starting out at 7 o'clock on Showtime 2, The Longest Yard, the 2005 remake starring Adam Sandler. Nice. So uh, it's a little sports movie action for you. 7 o'clock on Paramount if you're looking for a disaster, uh, t- disaster movie. No, just stop right there. If you're uh, looking for, for disaster. For disaster. <laughs> I mean, probably didn't get the best review. San Andreas starring nah, Rock Johnson. Yeah. At 7 o'clock on Paramount. <laughs> nah. And then if you're looking for your superhero fix for the evening, 745 on HBO, it's X-Men Days of Future Past. Quality movie. Two sports picks for you this evening. Not a lot of sports on tonight. At 7 o'clock on FS1, it's the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. The Rackley Roofing 200 from Nashville Super Speedway. We'll see uh, see how that uh, race turns out. I believe uh, our man, we had him on bef- uh, the show before, Bob Pocker, said all the trucks passed post-qualifying uh, practice inspection, and so it should be good to go tonight. And then, of course, later on tonight at 8 o'clock on ESPN, the Professional Fighters League is back as... Aubin Mercier takes on Romy, Romero, so some uh, some mixed martial Those arts for people. your Friday night uh, <laughs> action uh, on 8 o'clock on ESPN, and that is a look at your nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks, and thank you for being here throughout the week. Hope you have a great weekend, sir. Uh, thank you so much, sir. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Uh, see you then. And Cam, thank you for being here again today. Hope you have another great weekend, sir, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Glad to be here. Hope you have a great weekend as well, Ryan. Thank you, sir. And that will do it for the show today as always we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in not only today but throughout the week for brooks childress and cam Berry, my name is ryan the boy have a great friday evening have a great weekend and we'll talk to you again on monday